0: You ready? 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 ready. One job!
1: Hopefully things will go right tonight compared to what happened last week.
2: Uh
1: I am joined uh alongside me as always by Lou. Uh Lou, sorry about what easy, happened easy. last week. I I have yeah. no idea what the hell was going on, you know, whether it was if my service it or better, if it was
3: I had a problem on my show as well. All this, something did happen on mine. Um probably with a speaker issue. So I went to my phone and, and went from, from there. But in 10 minutes, it came back and I uh, just went back to the, you've uh, from that. So it has happened, but I kept my way around it. I mean, I know what to do when that happens.
1: Well, it was weird. You know, I kept getting this announcement 19 error. Uh, the two times that I had tried to, uh, that we had gone to uh, music yeah. or whatnot. So like, it said that there were call restrictions or something, which is which is weird because it's like my yeah. you know my bill was already paid for, so why am I getting call Maybe restrictions for some reason?
3: That might have been an error on their part, not you.
0: Yeah,
1: if you paid your bill I'm, and everything. Guys, that's, are, kind that's a mistake wondering.
3: on their part, not you or anybody else. That's that's a mistake on their part. Well, I'm wondering if it was I'm wondering if it
1: was a mistake on my phone bill, my phone side of thing, or if it was. On, oh. Or if it was something, or if it was something having to do with blog talk, I don't know, but, uh, we are I wouldn't be surprised. hopefully, hopefully we will be, uh, we will be on for the full, uh, the full three hours because I, I, I even deleted last week's, uh, after we ended the show early, I ended up deleting the archive because there was, you know, no reason to to have only an hour and 20 minutes worth of show. Uh, part of it was, which was interrupted by music randomly. So, you know, if, if I'm in the middle of talking and all of a sudden I, if, if it's like in the first two hours and I get that error again, I, you'll know that something's wrong if all of a sudden music starts playing out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. That'll be me basically trying to reconnect uh hopefully I do have a backup plan tonight, so hopefully that works uh if we end up running into that issue again uh right. but we do have oh, uh, trick or since we're ta- since we're mentioning controversies and everything we do have a a couple of controversies that have popped up uh one of them no has shit. just resurfaced this week uh with the Washington football team. Uh, and let's just say Roger Goodell, uh, not a good look whatsoever, buddy, with uh, yeah. with how you handled this week. Not a good look at all. Uh, we also have the Chicago Blackhawks to talk about. Cause that That's where I going, ripples going. Yeah, that sent ripples going all the
3: way across the
1: NHL. You know what? Why don't we open up on that, Lou? Because
3: yeah, because, you know, this, also what I was hearing uh, – they want to remove the video, uh, the, the video schmuck, video coach, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they want to remove his name from the 2010 Stanley Cup. Yeah. That's serious business here, and you folks. know what? I and and I believe I believe
1: that would be a first, wouldn't it? I don't think there has there ever been
3: in my lifetime
1: anybody whose whose name has been removed.
3: Uh, as far as I know, that would be a first. It's an embarrassing first, but it's a first.
1: Well, it's a necessary first. Considering what has uh, considering what happened uh, Kyle B, for for people who don't know about the about the Chicago Blackhawks uh, situation uh, in 2008 they drafted a young player by the name of Kyle Beach uh, yeah. in, the fir- in the very first round they drafted him uh, with the 11th overall pick he was playing in the Western Hockey League for the uh, Everett Silvertips. And or actually, no, no, not just the Everett Silvertips, though. He also played for the Lethbridge Hurricanes and the Spokane Chiefs as well. Uh, he then got drafted in the first round, 11th overall in 2008 by the Chicago Blackhawks. And he had progressed so far that in the 2010 uh, playoffs, he was used as a member of their Black Aces. Which is basically, in, in other words, it's the NHL's version of the practice squad for the playoffs. Right. kind of like how the NFL, kind of like how the NFL has a practice squad in the NHL, they yeah. have what they call the Black Aces. the Black Aces. And so keep in mind, he has never, in his entire uh, career, he had never played a single game in the NHL uh, right. Uh, the, the name uh, Kyle Beach And he was primarily In the AHL For the Rockford Ice Hogs And he did spend a little bit of time With the Hartford Wolfpack as well But primarily he was a player For the Rockford Ice Hogs uh, He had been called up To the Black Aces squad For the Blackhawks In the in the uh, 2010 playoffs wow. Which you know For those who don't remember That was uh, if I recall correctly, wasn't that the year uh, that they that they uh, I believe they won the Stanley Cup that year in 2010. You
3: mean thanks to the Phantom Goal?
1: Yes, yes, thanks to. You thanks know, I was, to the so, I was I was I was still
3: picturing how the hell that go in. I'm like, what? We didn't even see the goal, and like, and I was like, the words of about Michael's. He did what? As we saw it,
1: uh, basically what ended up happening is their their video uh, their video guy named Brad Aldrich. Uh, yep. It, but, well, first let's go back to May. In May of 2021, uh, two former Blackhawks players accused Brad Aldrich, who was their former video coach, of sexually assaulting them during the 2009-2010 season. With one player, uh, or this being Kyle Beach, he, he eventually came out and, you know, revealed that it was him. Uh, he initially stayed anonymous under the moniker John Doe, uh, alleging that Aldrich also threatened him physically, emotionally, and financially after an off-ice assault. And he also filed a lawsuit against the Blackhawks for failing to adequately address Aldrich's wrongdoings or to file police reports. Uh, now, there was an independent investigation that was done by law firm Jenner & Block uh, that ended up being sanctioned officially by the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, it took, took months for them to, to, you know, get compile everything together. Um... And apparently, part of, for part of this investigation, on May 23rd of 2010, Blackhawk executives held a meeting about the sexual assault claims, and they decided that they would not address them until after the Stanley Cup playoffs. So this, right. these, uh, these assault claims actually started all the way back when they first happened. And... It it, it just gets worse from here because the more I read here, it's going to sound more like they tried to basically brush everything under the rug Uh, because after they decided they would not address them until after the playoffs, the matter was not discussed again. And on June 14th of that year, five days after they won the cup, Uh, The Blackhawks' human resources director gave Aldrich the option to either resign or face termination if Beach's claims had turned out to be true. Aldrich chose to resign, and he was permitted to participate in postseason celebrations uh, along with the team, according to the uh, findings. He then ended up going on to work for Miami University, where he resigned after, after he was accused of sexual assault there and he was later convicted for sexual assault after becoming a high school coach in Huffton, uh, I think that's how you say it, Huffton, Michigan. Uh-oh. He's yeah. now accused or convicted of sexual assault in connection with all three coaching jobs at the NHL, college, and high school levels.
3: Eek, talk about triple and now.
1: And, of course, uh, Kyle Beach, you know, he did give an interview on Sports Center. Uh, earlier this week, actually, confirming that he was indeed John Doe, and he talked about his experience uh, with the Blackhawks organization after the fact, after all this went down. Um, right. However, this this ended up uh, resulting in a trickle effect, a trickle-down effect uh, that has started with the Blackhawks general manager, Stan, Bo- Stan Bowman, stepping aside, quote-unquote stepping aside, uh, following the investigation. uh, Senior Vice President of Hockey Operations Al McIsaac also resigned as well. Kyle Davidson will take over as the interim general manager until they decide what they want to do. Yeah, and actually, before I continue, you know, one of the things uh, that happened to Beach was, he was basically blackmailed essentially uh, i guess uh-huh. i guess apparently this video this video guy brad aldrich claimed that he uh that he had a lot of power uh within the league and he could uh he could make it so that uh Beach, beach's career would never go anywhere and his career would uh you know essentially he'd become a nobody which i mean he became a nobody anyways yeah. but you know i think a lot of that has to do with the trauma that he uh, that he suffered from dealing with this at such a young age. I mean, he was probably, what, 20, 19, anywhere from 19 to 21 at the time yes. that this took place. Uh, now, it, it says the investigation report does suggest that members of the Blackhawks management at the time, including Bowman and McIsaac, were aware of the alleged assault. Uh, Blackhawks CEO Danny Wirtz called the report disturbing and difficult to read and said that no member of the 2010 mm. senior management will remain with the organization. So basically they've, they've scrapped everybody from 2010, anybody that was okay. with the dynasty, essentially, uh, and, and, yes. and whoever was not a player, I should say. Uh, the right. NHL also fined the Blackhawks $2 million, in this Uh, Bowman also Bowman also stepped down as the general manager of team USA for the upcoming winter Olympics. Um, However, this stretched out even further because now Joel Quenville, the three time Stanley cup champion for the Blackhawks has now officially resigned as head coach of the Florida Panthers who are off to a hot start this year. Uh, he ended up having a closed meeting with uh, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman, as well as Christ. Uh, as well as uh, the I think it was the owner of the Blackhawks that he was meeting with, or maybe it was the maybe it was the interim yeah. GM. I forget uh, I forget who else, but there was uh, there was also uh, somebody out somebody else that he was meeting with uh, from the Blackhawks organization. Um, Or, no, from the Panthers organization, my bad. Uh, And the meeting, of course, was regarding the cover-up of the sexual assault case that had occurred during Quenville's time with the Blackhawks. Uh, He allegedly knew that skills coach Brad Aldrich had sexually assaulted Kyle Beach and that he failed to take the appropriate action at the time. Uh, ES, according to ESPN's Kevin Weeks, he's reporting that John Tortorella could take over behind the bench for Florida, but for now,
3: yeah. uh,
1: Andrew Brunette, Andrew Brunette will serve as the team's interim coach. If they were after I mean, this this is just—it's disgusting to begin with. Uh, all yeah. the things that that uh, that Cal Beach had to go through, you know, being such a being such a young player, and also the fact that, you know, his obviously, you know, the the main goal for every hockey player is not only number one to get into the NHL, but also number two to win the Stanley Cup, and you know, this yeah. was his he was basically on the doorstep of potentially getting into the NHL and he was taken advantage of essentially by, uh, by Aldrich and it's, it's just disgusting uh, from a lot of the, a a lot of the information that has come out involving this, uh, involving this story. I mean, what are your thoughts, Lou, on, uh, I mean, you you kind of you kind of have to wonder if how big of a black eye oh, is this big on the uh, on, is this is this on the Chicago Blackhawks
3: organization as a whole? Ugh. it's a, it's an embarrassment. I mean, the the, the team is tarnished. It's no wonder they have won a game yet this year. I mean, the, it's still lingering, and it's I think affected their game, and, and they're and they're playing like crap. I mean, this is really affecting them on and off the ice. And there's no need for that kind of behavior, you know. You're supposed to be an official. You're supposed to set a good example uh, for your for your franchise, and you have to go pull an unspeakable act like that. That there is no room for that in the sports world or the real world or, or whatever. There is just no excuse for that. What a prick! Yeah, uh, I my and- show tonight. There is there is no need for that yeah no. and also, I mean, he's and just also ba- the fa- Larry Nasser
1: yeah and and also the fact too that you know the, this guy has been convicted or accused at all three levels of the sport now <laughs> not ju- not just in the, not just in the pros but also in college and now in high school.
3: If he if that I, and, was having and, college and high school, shouldn't the NHL have been aware that this happened and they should not have hired him? Well, this
1: happened after. This happened after he was told, you know, either you resign yeah. or you'll be fired right on the spot.
3: They should have. You know, it happened in high school, but they let him do it in college. It happened in the college level, and they still didn't play in the pro. I mean, you know, you should check, you should have got your um, you know whereabouts of, of you should, people should get their whereabouts of who they hire. You know, not just in the sports world, but in, in life in general. I mean, is that the kind of person you want in, in your organization?
1: I mean, exactly. really. Exactly.
3: You know. It doesn't it, change the fact what you did before. You know, and obviously he did a good job of covering it up. I think that's why he got hired. You know, because he did a good job of covering up his past, but eventually it leaked out, and now he's a dead duck. But you know, you should really do a background check on your employees before you hire before you decide to hire them. Well, you know, here because here's the thing. Maybe, perhaps, you know, he didn't have
1: anything against him before. Uh, oh wait, are you talking about uh, when he was when he was hired for both college and high school? Maybe they should have done background checks. Or are you talking when he was well, initially hired well, for I the NHL? Me,
3: I assume he didn't do anything before high school. So, but after that happened in high school, the college should have checked him out, and then, then at that. The NHL should have checked them out. You know, they really have to do more, you know, be more selective of who they hire. You know. Yeah. Because, you know, they, 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 I mean, okay, probably weren't aware of that, but you should. You know, you have to be more aware of who you hire so this doesn't happen and still open to the major leagues. You know, it should have never gotten to this level, and it has, and it's really doing some damage. Yes, and, and you, you kind of have her. to wonder now
1: you kind of have to wonder now if the NHL is going to is going to uh implement some sort of uh morality clause or something into, uh, into each contract cuz you know you know Gary Bettman's going to have to do something here cuz he's you know he's going ass. under fire he's going under fire now uh because Good. they've decided they've decided not to punish uh the current general manager of the Winnipeg Jets, Kevin Chevalbayov, who at the yeah. time was the assistant general manager for Chicago back in 2010, uh, yeah. they've decided not I to punish that. him. They've decided not to punish him because they feel okay if we punish if we uh, if we punish we'll have to you know reach out and punish every single person who who is no longer with the Blackhawks organization. Well, we can't do that. And is with different organizations. We can't do
3: but that because you timeline. know I don't think it's fair to punish everybody. You, that's that's not fair either. No, it
1: isn't. It's it's it definitely isn't fair to punish everybody. You know, you should punish the main people who were aware yes. of what was going on, basically. Uh, I, but I mean, here's can't... here's the timeline. Here, okay. Here's the timeline here. So it says May somewhere between May eighth and May ninth of twenty ten. Uh, the assault on Beach occurred, and uh, Brad Aldrich had told investigators that the encounter was consensual, but Beach told them it was entirely non-consensual, and according to the report, Aldrich told Beach he would never play in the NHL or walk again if he didn't, and I quote, act like he enjoyed the sexual encounter. Aldrich then Aldrich then forced himself upon Beach. Then, uh, a couple days later, on May 12th through the 19th, Beach then told the skill coach, Paul Vincent, of the Blackhawks about the incident that happened with Aldrich. Vincent, according to Beach, reported Beach's claims to the Blackhawks' front office, but Aldrich kept his job throughout the team's Stanley Cup run. Beach had described Vincent as an amazing man who tried to do everything he could back then. The Blackhawks inaction after discovering the allegations, however, made Beach feel like I didn't exist, as he put it in his own words. Uh, the Blackhawks then, of course, as I said, had a senior staff meeting uh, about a week later back uh, on May 23rd of that year. And in, included were Al McIsaac, who is no longer with the team, uh, President John McDonough, Dan Bowman, who is no longer with the team, Executive Vice President Jay Blunk, Assistant General Man- Manager Kevin Shevodeoff, uh Joel Quenville, the coach, and Team Counselor Jim Gary. To dis- uh, they all discussed the incident. Bowman recalled uh, that McDonough and Quenville had brushed the issue aside with the former hoping to avoid bad publicity through the team's family cup run and the latter wanting to ensure his team had no distractions. So essentially they prioritized winning over a legitimate, you know, a a big time issue. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now in, on June 10th, this wasn't the last time though that this happened on June 10th. Aldrich then assaulted the Blackhawks intern. A twenty two year old team intern Aldrich made sexual advances towards. Whereas he physically grabbed the intern during the encounter. Now it doesn't say whether or not it was a, a man or woman, uh, but right. he he physically grabbed the intern during the encounter, according to the report that was that was filed. Uh Human Resources then got involved uh, four to six days later as McDonough told uh, Human Resources about the allegations against Aldrich and as well as the senior manager's meeting that they had had. Two days later, Aldrich then met with the director of Human Resources. Aldrich neither confirmed nor denied his role in the incident with Beach, forcing the director to give him an ultimatum, either an investigation or a resignation. After choosing to resign, the Blackhawks gave, gave Aldrich a severance, his playoff bonus, as well as a championship ring. He also had his name engraved on the cup, which, as you said earlier, uh, they are, they're looking to have his name removed. He also spent a day with the Stanley Cup, which everybody gets the opportunity to, to do, uh, every member of the organization during the offseason. And he also attended the team's banner-raising ceremony the following season. Then came fall of 2012, where he sexually assaulted two men while serving as the director of of hockey operations at Miami University in Ohio. Miami found Aldrich assaulted a Miami student who worked at the rink and a summer hockey camp intern both after inviting them to sleep on his couch. He then ended up resigning oh. from Miami later that year. In March of 2013, he then assaulted a high schooler while serving as a volunteer hockey coach in, Huff- in Huffton, Michigan, At a, uh, after, a, uh, after a post-game party, it says here. He then admitted his sexual advances toward the teen to police shortly thereafter. In September of 2013, Blackhawks Human Resources ended up stonewalling uh, the Houghton police as they tried to contact uh, them for information on Aldrich. The director refused to offer any information other than his resignation without a uh, subpoena. Uh, Aldrich was eventually convicted of fourth degree criminal sexual assault involving a student. He was then sentenced to nine months. uh, About a year later, he was sentenced to nine months in Huffton County jail for his sexual assault on the high school player. Upon his release, he was required to register as a sexual offender serving uh, as well as serve five years of probation and pay restitution. Then, Obviously, uh, May 7th of this year, Beach filed a lawsuit against the Blackhawks, and the Blackhawks then began their investigation uh, a month later by hiring former federal prosecutor Ruddy Shar to conduct an independent investigation into his allegations. Uh, the investigation found that the Blackhawks violated their own sexual harassment policy by waiting three weeks before taking action, which was his uh, Aldrich's forced resignation. Uh, let me see here. There was that uh, I mentioned that Bowman and Isaac uh, McIsaac stepped down. Uh, Beach came forward on October 27th, a couple days ago. Quenville resigned a day later. After that. And yeah, there's I, I've basically covered everything else after that, but you know, just right. the further detail the further detail of that, you know, it just how 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 screwed up of a human being could you possibly be to prioritize, prioritize. winning? To prioritize winning and your teams, uh, and and not wanting your team to get bad press over furious allegations that you, you know they basically decided to just yes. try and sweep it under the rug until until after the Stanley Cup playoffs were over. You have to be really screwed to do something like that.
3: It should have been taken care
1: of before that. And now, you know, this guy, this guy is now playing in Germany. uh, And, you know, uh, with what, with what should be the prime years of a potential NHL career, he never made the NHL. He probably never will make the NHL. And basically all, all because, they turned a blind eye to this one to this one douchebag, uh all because, because he happened bags. to he happened to work for them. Yeah. They turned a blind eye to this douchebag and in return now you know, you have a you have a guy who's basically traumatized for life, essentially. Again, traumatized by just reporting it. And I guarantee you, if this hadn't come up, the NHL, they'd be, you know, not just the NHL, but the Chicago Blackhawks, they would probably be going on business as usual. Right. And it's sickening. But, you know, over uh, over in over in Germany, this kid's turned out to be quite the player. You know, uh, he – He's been, he's been a consistent when he's been healthy. He's been a consistent 40, 40 to 60 point player. As a matter of fact, last year he uh recorded 60 points in 36 games, uh 31 goals, 29 assists. You know, he never really got the opportunity to develop. And, you know, maybe get the opportunity to try and break to try and break into uh uh, into a uh, NHL roster yeah. I mean the one thing he's most known for besides of course you know being the John Doe in this uh, story, is that yeah. he was, he was once traded to the New York Rangers for Brandon machinter. that's yeah. basically the only that's basically the only thing he is, he has really been known for uh, involving the NHL. And this is a kid who at one point was, was projected to be a top-five pick in the, tw- in the 2008 right. entry draft. That. However, his on-ice reputation as well as okay. discipline issues made teams hesitant to draft him, and that's why he fell all the way to the Blackhawks at number 11. But, I mean, they, you know, this is basically a wide a widespread thing it's it's essentially impacted not just the blackhawks but also the panthers because now you know the florida panthers they now have to deal with a new head coach uh quenville he probably won't coach ever again in the nhl uh because of the fact mm -hmm. because the fact that he pretty much ignored uh all of the allegations that uh that took place because he prioritized winning over you know very serious allegations. Aldrich is banned from the from the NHL. I'm I'm almost certain that Bowman and McIsaac probably won't find another job in the NHL because uh shit like this took place. And you know, another thing too is you gotta, you gotta look. Uh, how can you be somebody like Patrick Kane or Jonathan Tays, who were there and are still there? Uh, you know, they were there when this whole thing took place. How could they be silent all this time as well? Fear. And not say anything. Yeah, you know, they were
3: afraid. You know, that's a lot, I think that's the big problem is they're afraid to tell. That's what's horrible about it is the fact that they are. I know. You know that's what that usually happens because that's why it takes so long for this, for these cases to get done. I mean, if they were done right away, this would this when you know escalate to what it became. And you know, it's it's it's. I mean, go, I mean, go back to you know Penn State with Jerry <laughs> Dusky. I mean, you know that's you know that was another thing right there as well. Look what that yeah, turned out to be. hmm
1: yeah and that and that occurred over several years, not just uh you know not just one year
3: exactly but they were but they were afraid to tell yeah now uh a little
1: a little uh, further information on the several day off uh discipline uh or lack of discipline i should say uh right According to Commissioner Gary Batman, he said, while on some level it would be easiest to paint everyone with any association to this terrible matter with the same broad brush, I believe that fundamental fairness requires a more in-depth analysis of the role of each person. Kevin Sheveldayoff was not a member of the Blackhawks' senior leadership team in 2010, and I cannot, therefore, assign to him responsibility for the club's actions or inactions. He provided a full, account, a full account of his degree of involvement in the matter, which was limited exclusively to his attendance at a single meeting, and I found him to be extremely forthcoming and credible in our discussion. So basically, the NHL concluded that Shoval Bayoff was not responsible for the improper decisions made by the Blackhawks uh, back in 2010 related to mm-hmm. former video coach Brad Aldrich. But. I mean, it's kind of sickening when you think about it to think that a video coach has so much power that, you know, disturbing stuff like that could get covered up.
0: Yeah.
3: Go figure that out. A video, a video coach. Now, that's a new one. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like it.
1: It wasn't like he was an associate coach or an assistant coach. He was no, a video, video coach. coach. Big whoop. They could probably find another video coach.
3: Yeah.
1: I'm sorry. I mean, you know, regardless of if we were in the playoffs or not, if that, if I was in management's shoes at that time, I don't care if my team is in the playoffs and and we have a prime chance at a uh you know at a cup i don't care if you know this is going to potentially lead to a distraction for my team i'm doing what's right
0: that's you know?
1: but you know obviously there's probably more stuff that's going to come out uh oh i wouldn't this, doubt it but you know the the main thing about this now is He's now on the road to recovery. You know, now that everything's Something's out there, now. It's, it is going to be a long recovery. Yes, but now that everything's out there, you know, he can now finally start officially that road to recovery, and finally start to heal. Yeah. Uh. Now. Oh, by the, by the way, a little note here um, in regards to Jimmy Hayes, uh, who was who had passed away about a month or so ago. Uh, it's been reported. I meant to I meant to bring this up last week before we uh, had those problems. Uh, Jimmy Hayes reportedly had fentanyl and cocaine in his system when he died. So, they didn't say what the cause of death was but it was pro- honestly it was probably an overdose at this point yes if you have fentanyl and cocaine in your system i mean you mix those two together it's not a not a good combination at all period yes uh also Sticking with the NHL, the NHL Players Association last week released a statement on behalf of Evander Kane following the league's announcement that the Sharks forward had been suspended for 21 games. By the way, Evander Kane, he's considered to be persona non grata in the Sharks organization now. He's hes basically on every Which English team means? He, he's on every t- He's basically, you know not with the organization, essentially. Ah. An unwelcome. I he's it. unwelcome, basically.
3: Oh, I mean, he's on the shit list.
1: Yeah, he's on the shit list, basically. Thank you. Uh, but uh, he says here, I would like to apologize to my teammates, the San Jose Sharks organization, and all Sharks fans for violating the NHL COVID protocols. Uh, sorry, Evander. I think it's a lot bigger of a situation than that. Uh, he yeah. said, "I made a mistake, one I sincerely regret and take responsibility for. During my suspension, I will continue to participate in counseling to help make me better, de- to help me make better decisions in the future. When my suspension is over, I plan to return to the ice with great effort, determination, and love for the game of hockey." Uh, He received the lengthy ban and I quote for an established violation of and lack of compliance with the NHL slash NHL Players Association COVID-19 protocol, according to the NHL. So he won't be eligible to return until actually one month from now, uh, November 30th, and he doesn't plan to appeal the ban. But honestly, You know, I think the Sharks, they potentially may just buy him out once the suspension is over.
0: Because,
1: you know, he's pretty much on every – when I say everybody, I mean his teammates, management. He is on everybody's shit list now. (laughs) And that's, you know, that's not even including his – the problems with his wife and the gambling. He just decided to make it a complete trifecta, essentially. Sure did. Throw three, throw three problems into the same uh, into the same bin. Now uh, we do have. Uh, let me see here. Switching over since since we were talking about controversies, uh, let's go to the. NFL, as yeah. we have, uh, well, how should I put this here? Uh, Goodell had a press conference that took place. Ooh, yeah. Uh, this final, speaking of the NHL, uh, this final, Bruins beat the uh, Florida Panthers in a shootout. In I believe it's uh, Brunette, Brunel's or, or Brunett's first game as head coach for the uh, Panthers. Yeah, uh, but, but you know this whole press con- this whole press conference that Goodell gave, it's not a good look for him whatsoever. I mean, just to start off with here, uh, Goodell. When when questioned about the uh, Washington football team investigation, he cited Mm -hmm. security, privacy and anonymity for not producing a written report on the Washington football team investigation. He ignored the fact that many of the female accusers are demanding accountability. And he also believed that Snyder, Dan Snyder, the the, uh, owner, has been held accountable based on an unprecedented fine and that he hasn't been involved with the football team for four months, even though he was seen wearing a hoodie at Washington's Sean Taylor number retirement ceremony recently. Yeah, boy. Then hopefully I can find this here. uh, Where is there was a thread that I had posted in sports whispers here um basically one of the one of the people who essentially called him out uh you know and they wanted accountability uh he she pretty much said flat out bullshit they called she basically called him out on his bullshit essentially right. uh it really seems like you know the the NFL is you know they're pretty much just trying to just trying to cover up anything that they possibly can involving the Washington football team i mean think about it for a second why the hell have they not done some sort of investigation you know or why have they not released you know uh some, uh, you know, findings.
3: Oh, it says that.
1: here, it says here, according to a, uh, a lawyer for 40 former employees who participated in the investigation, uh, a lawyer by the name of Lisa Banks uh, tweeted on Twitter uh, in a retweet. She said, I represent former 40 former employees of the Washington football team who participated in the investigation. Goodell's statement is false because he said that more of those came forward, asked for anonymity on the matter. And that's why the league was not releasing the findings. And she basically said, the lawyer said that this was absolutely false. Now, pro football talk has chimed in on this and said that the commissioner's comments from Tuesday do nothing to diminish Basically, Mike Florio, uh, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, I think it is. Uh, who, I think he's the one mm-hmm. uh, who who mainly does the uh, the Twitter account there. Uh, he stated the commissioner's comments from Tuesday do nothing to diminish my strong sense that the NFL is hiding something very big by refusing to release the Washington Football Team investigation findings and emails. If anything. I'm more convinced they're trying to bury a major bombshell.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it kind of makes you wonder, Lou. You know, what the hell could could the NFL be uh, be high, be trying to protect
3: here? Well, we all know the dolls are ass. So that's that's one that's one thing right there. Well, clearly, but. <laughs>
0: I mean, there
1: has to be something. There has to be something pretty big that was oh, yeah. mentioned in those emails. That was mentioned in those emails
3: that the NFL doesn't want getting out. I can only imagine. And there was, there was what over six hundred fifty thousand, right?
0: Yeah. yeah.
3: and you know, you know, uh, John
1: Gruden. The reason why he got fired also, was because he was was because he was part of those emails.
3: I heard he got. I heard he quit. He wasn't. He was about to get fired, but I think he quit before that happened. Well,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I you know I said he got yeah. fired, but he did resign. But I mean, let's face it. He was getting fired regardless. Right.
3: Uh, and then he pulled the old. So t- and then he pulled. You can't fire me. I quit and you know
1: he's he's uh, maintained his innocence by saying that uh the truth will come out about this um, Right. yeah okay buddy whatever you say uh mm-hmm. you know it's you know he was uh he was part of the part of the findings that, sure. that came out with the emails so he's innocent. you know if they're trying to if they're trying to protect yeah uh you know the the rest of the emails uh, and the investigation from being released, what the fuck else do they have to have in there? Nothing i mean i i just i don't understand why he would be i don't understand why he would be aggressively protecting uh, you know refusing to release this information. Uh, other, parts, other, other parts that were involved in his uh, press conference uh, when he was asked about Deshaun Watson, uh, he said that the league is not at a point to put Deshaun Watson on the commissioner's exempt list because it does not yeah. have enough information from law enforcement. So basically, uh, the translation is he could play now if, they, if he wanted to. He could play now because he's not on the exempt list. And, you know, you kind of have to wonder, after all this time, you know, the the, uh, law enforcement has been in contact with the NFL throughout this whole thing, and so have both parties. So have both parties, the accusers as well as Deshaun Watson and his team. Have you guys even been doing an investigation like you claim after all this time, and yet you claim that there's not not enough information from law enforcement? Sure. I mean, I, I'm really kind of that. If they're, I'm kinda wondering if they're just sitting on their asses, basically.
3: I bet they are.
1: I mean, hell, the Antonio Brown situation got uh, got dealt with much quicker than that. That, uh, much quicker yeah. than what it's done, than what's happened with uh, Deshaun Watson so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else was mentioned was Roger Goodell, he uh, reiterated that coaches are strongly in favor of the emphasis on penalizing taunting, and in turn, so is the rest of the league. Uh-huh. Uh, he was quoted as saying, "We believe this is the right thing to do, and we're committed to it." Which, okay, yeah, you want to penalize taunting? That's fine and dandy, but yeah, at least at least set a bar as to what taunting, is, what action is considered taunting, and what yeah. action isn't, because there's yeah, like I get a little mixed up with myself.
3: You know, define your ver- define your definition of taunting,
1: you know, before you call it. Yeah, I mean, there's been some absurd yes, taunting calls. There's been some absurd taunting calls that, you know, everybody's looking at it like, what the fuck are you guys doing? There's, you know, that's not even considered a taunt. No. You know, there's been, there's been, some, there's been some calls that have been called for taunting when yet it's not even close. Like a guy could, ra- no. a guy could uh, you know, a guy could raise hmm. his arm and be called for taunting what after after a play or uh, you know i'm just i'm just saying you know in terms of yeah i know you know in terms of how little of the scope we're talking about here Hmm. i mean that's literally how what's the what's the phrase i'm looking for it's how easily they're they're making taunting calls here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's one thing, you know, if you're like uh if you're if you're like um Odell Beckham Jr. when he yeah. after he scored a touchdown, after he scored a touchdown, he placed the ball on the ground and he basically took a shit on the ball in the end zone. You know, that Okay, that would be considered a taunt, or when you're doing the stupid. uh, If you're an opponent from the opposing team, uh, like say the Philadelphia Eagles are playing, uh, they're playing the 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 Detroit Lions this week. Let's say Detroit scores a touchdown, and then they mock the the, they mock the Philadelphia Eagle fans that flap their that flap their arms like uh, like wings. That's a taunt, but you know doing something stupid like maybe they maybe the player says says one little thing or uh you know makes one one little gesture and just that right. little tiny thing is enough to call for a taunt i mean yeah, it yeah. you know some of the calls that we've had this year not just not just in the pros but in college football as well has been flat oh, out yeah. ridiculous like, there was a touchdown, I think it was, was it Alabama, or was it, no, it wasn't Alabama. Uh, there was one play last week that went for a touchdown, but it got negated due to taunting.
0: Yeah.
1: They called a touchdown back because he
0: started mm, taunting right.
1: like like ten, like 10 to 15 yards away from the end zone. Huh. I mean it's just it's gotten ridiculous to this point, essentially. Yes. But uh you know, speaking of uh speaking of college sports, you know, just, just going over some of the uh the games that we currently have ongoing. Uh obviously yes. Alabama, they are off this week. Uh but we do have several other games that are still ongoing right now. We have a deadlock, dead even, seventeen to seventeen between Penn State and Ohio State. Uh, Penn State Penn State of course looking to upset number five Ohio State here. Uh SMU, they're about to get up they're eleven minutes away from getting upset by Houston, thirty seven thirty four. Uh I so. state they're running you don't think you, you wouldn't consider that an upset even though SMU is ranked uh number nineteen?
3: Oh I would. oh I would, but you know, the game's not out of reach, it's only a three point deficit. I mean that's not reached by any means. Yeah. No,
1: no, obviously not. It, you know, it's not really considered uh out of reach yet, but No. You know, just just depending on on uh on what may happen, uh, moving forward here. Uh, We do have one upset in the making here, potentially, though, with about ten and a half minutes to go in the game. Uh, Number 12-ranked Kentucky is down by two touchdowns to Mississippi State, 31-17. to Uh, That has potential for an upset here. Another potential upset, Auburn, uh, 18th-ranked Auburn, has an eight-point lead over 10th-ranked Ole Miss. 28 to 20 uh, currently with a bell,
3: a little less
1: than 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Uh, We also have Notre Dame with a 11 point lead over North Carolina, 31 to 20. Uh, Let's see, did I miss one? No, I did not miss one. Uh, Some finals though, from earlier today, uh, Georgia, they steamrolled past Florida. You know how I said Florida might be one of their toughest tests uh, moving forward. Well, not according to today. They steamrolled through through Florida uh, once the second quarter hit final. Uh, Cincinnati with a 31-12 to 12 victory over Tulane. You know, for them being the number two seed, and and with how bad Tulane is, I would have expected a, a much larger deficit.
3: Well, Steve, you know, I always called uh, Tulane known as "too lame" because that's exactly what they've been. Mind a few exceptions.
1: Yeah, I mean, but you know, I I'm kind of surprised because I would have thought that there would have been, uh, you know, there there would have been a bigger, a bigger deficit. Uh, or a bigger lead, I should say, for for Cincinnati right. as opposed to what we ended up getting here. So it's kind of surprising to me that uh, they were only able to put up 31 points with them with them being the number two ranked team in the uh, right, in, you know, in the in the, uh, in, the uh, in in college. Uh, let's see, uh, Oklahoma over Texas Tech 52 to 21. Michigan State pulling through for the minor upset, although some people won't consider it an upset, but no, Michigan no I don't State, either. Michigan State, they remain undefeated, uh 37 to 33 over sixth-ranked Michigan. Uh Oregon with a 52 to 29 victory over Colorado. Here's the first big upset of the day: Wisconsin, twenty-seven to seven, over over ninth-ranked Iowa. What yeah. a major! Fall. I think we officially saw Iowa's deep, or Iowa's offense get exposed last week.
2: Or was it I last week it or works.
1: was it? Yeah, last week against Purdue. I think we I think we finally saw Iowa's offense get exposed,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and now starts the free fall for a team that was once ranked number two this year. Uh, Wake Forest they continued their uh, dominant run forty five to seven over Duke, Baylor with a 31-24 win over Texas uh, over the Texas Longhorns. Unranked Miami with a 38-34 to 34 upset over 17th-ranked Pittsburgh. Then we had West Virginia with a 38-31 to 31 upset over 22nd-ranked Iowa State. And we do still have some ranked teams left to play tonight. Uh, BYU and Virginia, they're about to kick off uh, about 10 minutes or so from now. And Fresno State and San Diego State, they're set to kick off at ten thirty. So we do still have some top twenty-five teams uh yet to play tonight. And let me see, did I miss any other notables? Oh, we do have Louisville and NC State. Louisville with a ten to seven lead right now at the end of the third quarter. Um uh... No, I don't think. Yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing else really, really notable specifically. That uh, you know, obviously, when it comes to potentially changing uh, the standings or whatnot, nothing really notable to cover there. Major League Baseball. Obviously, we we do have. Uh, one shocker to talk about. But first, let's talk about the potential for a work stoppage. And from the sound Here of things, go. it sounds like uh, they are almost certain to have a work stoppage when the, collective, uh, when yep. the, when the current uh, collective bargaining agreement expires on December 2nd, according to Ronald Bloom of the Associated Press. says here as December Bloom second
0: it it.
1: Nope, it's the second. Wow. It says as Bloom writes it here, the players and owners have been negotiating dating back to last spring, but there just hasn't been enough momentum to suggest that a new deal will be reached by the time the current five year contract expires, as there are simply too many issues to be worked out, including the players cut Of the the player's cut of the pie, so to speak, as well as service time considerations, tanking teams, and other factors. At minimum, a work stoppage will also put a freeze on the free agent market and result in the cancellation of the winter meetings. However, Mm. it could also delay the start of spring training. Now, obviously it could actually also delay the start of the 2022 MLB season, but knows if that will take place. Uh, they haven't had a work stoppage since the 1994-1995 season. And especially with with there being concerns about trying to reach younger fans and, you know, trying to trying to get younger fans into yeah. the sport of baseball, it could be potentially devastating to the sport if we end up oh. seeing a work stoppage take place here. Oh, Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on this, Lou? Do you think uh, Do you think an agreement could potentially be hammered out in time, or are we are we headed for the work stop the first work stoppage in about seventeen sixteen seventeen years?
3: You mean is the shit going to no, 20, 20, yes. uh, hit the fan? Actually, actually,
0: no.
1: I'm
3: sorry 27 years twenty six years twenty seven years. Yes, the shit's going to hit the fan. But I don't think it's going to I mean, if anything, yeah, the start of the season will likely be delayed, but I don't think it's going to carry over into the majority of the season. I think they can get something done maybe like about maybe like June. I think we'll miss the first part of the season, which only really is really a pass about anyway, so you're not really missing much, but I don't think MLB is that stupid enough to repeat the damage they did back in the '94 '95 season and cancel the World Series. If they were do it again, baseball would, would never come back from that. And I mean, it, never. So if they play it smart, I mean, yeah, they're probably going to, the agreement is probably going to expire. And, you know, spring training, you know, I think is going to be had to be delayed. But I don't think it's going to carry over into the full season. We do not want a repeat of that. So they got to play it smart and get their heads together. And I think by, um, by the time the summers get here, I think we'll see baseball back in action. But don't expect it right away. I mean, I don't expect that. I'm not surprised with this at all. We've been we've been hearing about this now for the last two years anyway, and they haven't done part of the expression jack shit since. So it's been leading up to this moment. So yeah, I mean, if you ask any a other time baseball time. fan, you know, you know, if you if you ask a casual baseball fan, you know, and they're like, well, I don't know, I don't really know that, but um, you know, we've we have seen this coming for quite some time. So this is not going to come a big shock to someone who's been following this from the very beginning. So. uh, you know, brace yourself. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a little of a weight. but I don't now, think, do I think know, it'll, be, it'll be that stupid to carry it over to a full season. That would be a crushing blow to the sport itself.
1: Now, do you th- do you think this could have a major impact on? The on what they're trying to do by getting more younger fans attracted to the sport because yeah. when you think about it, if there, if there is a work stoppage, you know you could potentially see fans flock over to other sports like soccer, for example. Or oh, I sure. mean, we're already seeing them flock to soccer. We're seeing we're seeing them flock to soccer, anyways. But you know, uh, you could see them flock to the NBA. Uh, you know, any of the already... other
3: major sports leagues that are around just like it has been in the last one. You know, that's I think that's going to happen. I mean, the younger generation doesn't really have a passion for the game anyway. I mean, if if baseball did, you know, have the lockout and carry over, the young people really aren't going to care. Well, the majority of it anyway. I mean, because that's what's really been declining over the last uh, two or three decades. You know, it wasn't like when I was young. You know, baseball was, was like the only game in town. Football was a distant second. Uh, NBA was you know NBA was pretty much on its deathbed then nobody gave a crap about that and hockey forget it you know forty years when I was young we're talking forty years ago oops Joe Major you know but now it, now it's changed now the younger generation doesn't really have a doesn't really you know care much about baseball you don't see kids uh, trading baseball cards and whatnot like like I did you know they were probably uh, more pros and more paying attention now to what's called uh, extreme sports. You know, uh, uh, the skateboarding and um, mixed
1: martial arts. All the
3: mixed martial arts and whatnot. And like I said, the, the extreme sports, which is, uh, you know, um, the mountain bike riding, and whatnot, the stuff you see in the X games. That's what kids are paying attention to. Yeah. So that would be and that would actually, be, you, know, you know a boost for them, but for baseball it'd be a crushing, crushing blow. So let's put it this way.
0: Yeah. You're right.
1: You know, 'cause we're talk we're talking about uh obviously uh you know when it when it comes to extreme sports, you know, there's skateboarding you mentioned. Uh, They literally just inline skating. skating. Well, inline skating, yeah, skateboarding, inline skating, potato potato. You know, you that too. You just saw them become an Olympic sport this year. So, you know, it's it really is rising up there in popularity now. That. You know you're seeing kids start to start to start to go more towards skateboarding and you know maybe you'll start to see them go go towards mixed martial arts which by the way a, a huge win today uh, for Glover Teixeira at the age at the age of 42 finally wins the UFC light heavyweight title by submission uh, earlier today against Jan Blakowicz I'm
2: um, an oh, yeah.
1: MMA fan I'm I'm ecstatic to see uh to see Glo- uh, Glover who actually trains out of Connecticut um you know oh. finally get the uh he finally got his uh his UFC title that has been eluding him for so long uh throughout his UFC career at the age of 42 no less.
3: Yeah, which uh, in but, MMA years is uh what 75 I mean close, you know,
1: y- <laughs> you're 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 lucky Sorry, if you're 42. You're lucky if you're 42 and you're still fighting. I'll put it that way. You're uh, lucky you're
3: 42 and still fighting and still breathing.
1: Yeah, and actually, you know what? That's another that's another thing too. There was there was one fight that took place earlier today. Uh, when you talk about still breathing, I'm I'm surprised that there was one fighter who was actually still breathing with the amount of damage that he took in a fight that was maybe yes. one of the worst, one of the worst officiated fights I have ever seen in, in MMA history. Uh, there, I mean, there was this one guy who was just getting pelted with knees and strikes so many times, to- so many shots he absorbed and yet he was somehow still standing he did, he he was not able to get knocked down to the ground you know it's almost like at what point you have a guy who's basically a zombie out there at what point does the referee step in and say okay that's it i'm calling this fight right i mean the guy was taking shot after shot it, and it wasn't able to really defend himself it's maybe one of the worst instances of officiating I've seen uh, since I started watching mixed martial arts. And that's yeah. been, that's going on about 15 years now, uh, 15, 16 years now that I've been watching the
0: sport. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but, you know, back to our original talking point, uh, you know, I I really think that a potential major league baseball stoppage potentially do a lot of harm for, oh yeah, for the sport of baseball because, you know, with the, with the way that, with the, the short mind span or attention span that a, uh, a young sports fan has nowadays, you know, you see sports like soccer uh, starting to pick up momentum. And by the way, uh, the uh, New England Revolution, they set a new MLS record. Uh, earlier this week with their 73rd point earned uh, in the standings. Wow. It's a new major, a new major league soccer record. Uh, Congratulations. For, and not, you know, not only are they locked into first place, they won the supporters shield, which means they're also locked into the Comcast league after right. uh, the MLS cup. But I, uh, but, You know, they now set a a new league record, 73 points. The previous was 72, I think. Um, And they still have one game to go, so they could actually extend their record to 76 potentially if they win this final game. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, you know, you you have fans that are flocking towards all these other sports that may that uh you know major league baseball they just they cannot afford a stoppage at this point i mean they can't afford they can't afford a stoppage anyways but especially right now when you have i mean you know maybe i may i may look at it as okay you know they literally just got their tv contracts renewed so Mm maybe in their eyes they can afford they can afford a, a stoppage because they already got their money they already got their funding and everything but i mean, it's going to do major damage to the sport i mean yeah you know the nhl they could have their stoppage but they still have the ahl and everything you know the ahl still uh still works, they still keep going even though the NHL yeah. had their lockout back in two thousand and four. Uh yes. You know, I remember seeing I remember seeing a whole bunch of uh NHL players come down to the minors, uh back when I used to uh back when I used to watch the Springfield Falcons. You know right. I would uh as a matter of fact I forget who was with the Bruins at the time, but uh, there was one player, I think it might have been P.J. Stock, I think, who, uh, who was basically their enforcer. He came down to the minors uh, for the season, for the lockout season. There were, there were a couple of players, uh, a couple of big-name players yeah. uh, that came down to the minor leagues, uh, you know, on, uh, unless they decided to go play overseas, which a couple of players did as well. Uh, but you know, with with a sport like the NHL, if they were to go through another lockout, you know, they would still have uh they would still have the AHL that would be able to go that would be able to go on. They would still have the ECHL. But I think with baseball, I think if if there's a work stoppage, I believe that also affects the minor leagues
3: as well. Even though housing for um you uh, really talk the housing issue
1: yeah i you know what i did actually uh i did actually hear about that that um yeah that was reported that was reported a couple of weeks ago actually that they are planning to provide housing for minor league players starting with this upcoming season. It it says here that they are engaged in a multi-year effort to modernize the minor league system and better assist players as they pursue their dream of playing in the major leagues. Uh, They increased their salaries this year by 38 to 72%, depending on what level uh, the players play for, you know, either single A, double A, or triple A, and significantly reduced travel requirements during the season as well. In addition, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of improvements to minor league ballparks around the country are already underway, including substantial renovations to player-facing facilities like locker rooms and training rooms. Uh, In mid-September, the owners discussed the issue of player housing and unanimously agreed to to begin providing housing to certain minor league players. We are in the process of finalizing the details of that policy and expect it to be announced and in place for the 2022 season. So, uh, when it comes to the modest raises, this is how this is basically what it means. So, rookie uh, players that are either on short season or on the rookie level, they'll make about four hundred dollars a week instead of two ninety. Class A mm-hmm. will make five hundred instead of two ninety a week. Double uh, A will make six hundred instead of three fifty a week. And AAA will make 700 instead of 502 a week. So AAA players then will make at least $14,000 a season. Every other level will make 12000 or less. And considering they already have an already tight budget for minor league players, and housing takes up a large share of that yeah. tight budget, uh, particularly in locales that have a higher cost of living, this new policy will make a huge difference for uh, for farm team players. On the team side, they have heavy incentives to provide a better quality of life for the players that will in the future form the foundation of the team at the highest level. But for too long, they've resisted such prompts to try and, uh, you know, to try and provide better housing. But, this, you know, th- this is actually a a, a huge victory uh, for minor league baseball players. Yes. Uh, what are your thoughts and on, this, uh, on this issue, Lou?
3: Well, I mean, uh, I thought it was going to step in the right direction for uh, the major leagues because, you know, that was one of the sticking points uh, of the collective bargaining agreement. That would be the collective bargaining agreement. But obviously, you know, it's it's not enough. I mean, it's good for minor my, my league players. They're going to get more money and whatnot, so that's going to help them out with the housing issue. So I do look at as a positive step, uh, at least for us, because they've been in a lot of trouble. I mean, because there's been so many teams that have uh, folded up, you know, in in some of those minor um, leagues, like in the in the in the Southern Conference, uh, even up here where 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 we are, you know, and did a lot of damage to the minor league system. So I'm glad they were able to get you know some solace out of this.
1: Yeah, and so now it says here that with housing addressed, our efforts now turn to tackling low seasonal pay. Most minor leaguers make less than 15000 per year and won't receive their next paycheck until April. So for the next six months, they will spend hours each day training as required by contract while trying to balance second and third jobs to make ends meet. Like housing six players in a two bedroom apartment, this is a broken model from a bygone era. Minor yes. leaguers will not rest until they receive the livable annual salary that they deserve
0: Rightfully so. which
1: which of course you know it makes sense. you know if you're first off, I mean let's just take for an example uh I'll 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 include AHL players, uh, for example, uh, here with when when it comes to the minimum salary. The minimum salary in the AHL, they can make between thirty nine thousand to three hundred and fifty thousand, depending on what contract that they have. Now, if they get if they get called up to the NHL. You know, that contract immediately becomes at minimum five hundred thousand dollars. So even if a player is sent back down to the AHL from the NHL, they get to keep their much larger salary. So yes. if an so if an AHL player gets called up and then they get sent down, they make at a minimum five hundred thousand dollars. Now, you compare that to hockey wow. I mean, you compare it to baseball so if we're if we're going uh through this correctly here a a AAA players don't even make the minimum that an no. AHL player will make, and AHL is basically the equivalent of AAA essentially for hockey right. Now, and keep in mind, most AHL players they are signed to two-way to two-way NHL deals, so they're basically essentially like what, uh, like what the NBA has, where they sign players to two-way deal where they can sign two players to two-way deals. Now the difference there is in the NBA there's a limit, there's a, a limit to how many games that two-way players can play. In the NHL, right there isn't there isn't a limit so uh and here's also some specifics uh in 2015 Chris Bork of the Hartford Wolfpack uh he's uh, one of the sons of Ray Bork uh he signed a AHL contract for $350,000 that same year Paul Thompson of the Albany Devils signed an AHL contract for $200,000 and a lot of a lot of when it comes to how much money they can make a lot of it has to do with the amount of experience that that player has like if that player is an AHL veteran or maybe potentially an NHL veteran and he's getting signed you know to a minor league deal with the potential to maybe make it up to you know to be a depth player essentially for the uh for the NHL squad they'll they'll make you know, the further end of the AHL market when it comes to money. Whereas opposed to if you're, you know, a player that maybe he didn't maybe you didn't get drafted or you got drafted but you ended up getting released by your team and, you know, you're looking to try and latch on with another team. They may sign you to an AHL contract. You may make you know, among the lesser portion of like of thirty five thousand dollars at the minimum. I mean, j- just just the comparison between the AHL, what you can make in the AHL, and what you make in minor league baseball.
3: Yeah, I mean, it is
1: it is absolutely ridiculous. The uh, you know when it comes to the the disparity between the two uh, sports. So I'm, I'm really hoping that they can, you know, because they have so much money to spread around anyways. Why? Yes, they do. Why is salary such a huge issue in Major League Baseball? Or not Major League Baseball, in Minor League Baseball. Why is, why is okay. salary such a huge issue when Major League Baseball funds the Minor Leagues to begin with?
3: Yeah, I've wanted it myself. I mean, you know, there is so much, and you know, it's it, it's hurting my it's hurting
2: my leaks. Yeah.
3: So.
1: so, hopefully, hopefully they can get that whole situation resolved. Uh, yeah. At some point in in the in the upcoming future. Right now, though. Uh, we have the World Series taking place with Atlanta. Well, currently right now, Atlanta is losing tonight to Houston 2 to nothing, uh in the sixth inning, the bottom of the sixth inning. Uh, Atlanta has a runner on second with one out currently. Atlanta, though, leads the World Series two games to one in what's considered yes. to be a Cinderella story year for the Atlanta Braves. Mm-hmm. Nobody nobody was expecting them to win the NA to, to win the National League East, much less make the World Series. Not even me. Yet they somehow upset the Dodgers and now they are two wins away from their
3: first World Series in how long? Twenty two years. No, no. Uh 20 uh, I mean for 26 years. I mean, that's a pretty long ass wait
1: to not just not just make it to the World Series again, but actually have a shot at winning the World Series. And now the Cubs. they're going to have to do it. Now they're going to have to do it without Charlie Morton, who ended yeah. up fracturing his right fibula in Game One. And by the way, I I have to say that what a stud Morton has to be at his age to suffer a fractured right fibula and yet strike out two batters and then come out for the next inning and strike out Altuve before uh, before having to uh, you know before having to come out of the game after he was hit by uh, uh, he was hit by a comebacker. Uh, right back at the mound. I mean, what a stud. that Morton, uh, obviously, he was going through pure adrenaline at that point. He was going through pure adrenaline, uh, you know, working with that. But, I mean, obviously, now he'll be back with the Braves next year uh, after he inked a $20 million contract extension uh, Mm -hmm. for one year earlier in September, but I mean, what a stud to be able to go through that amount of pain and still end up uh, performing like he did before that. Yeah. Or
3: after that, I I actually.
1: Mean,
3: I was just thinking, how are they going to do it without him, though? You know, the Braves have had a very strange year. I mean, they were pretty much dead already, you know, in April and May, and then after when Ankuda went down, my God, that's it. They're not going anywhere this year. They're not, they're not doing anything anyway. I mean, everybody was pretty, pretty much went of, of off then, Uh by that point. And, uh, you know, I wasn't following. Then all of a sudden, August comes around, and they start turning things around. Uh, they get above 500 uh, back in August. And leaving everybody else in the division into a major shithole, which it basically was, and now the, and the Braves, uh, you know, they beat the two best teams in the National League, uh, the Giants and the Dodgers, and only win 86 games the entire season. I mean, this is like, you know, baseball version of the NCAA when UCLA went to, uh, got to the, uh, the Final Four, so it's another case of that. I just don't know how, with all the injuries that are piling up, that there's got to be enough gas in the tank. I mean, they're doing well right, right now, but, you know, Houston, you know, 'Cause when you get to this point, you've got to have every player healthy, you know, to help you win the championship. If you're gonna be a train wreck, I don't see how you're gonna pull it off. Even though how far they yeah. they've come. The way I see it though, like cool. I said on my show, game four I think is you know, sets the stage for what's to come. Because if you're up two one, you're just one win away from winning it. Or if you lose, it's tie to it a piece and you go to a best of three. So Game four yeah. is where we see I think we see the start of turning point uh in the series. I've always thought that. If everybody takes a crazy breath, okay fine. But that's the way I look at it. You don't like it? Too bad. Yeah, and you know what? The the thing is too, uh the
1: Atlanta Braves, they are actually they're they're actually going off of a impressive performance by Ian Anderson, uh in game three with uh they had a combined no hitter through 7 innings before they finally gave up the first hit of the game. Yep. Uh Ian Anderson though, he uh he ended up leaving after after 5 innings of work. I don't, I still don't understand why they uh maybe they're trying to preserve him for later on if they if they uh if they need him this series. Uh, yes. Maybe they're trying to preserve him for that reason so they decided to pull him after 5 but I mean he was just dealing last night and you know that that allowed Atlanta to take a 2-1 two, a series lead uh, right now you know they are currently they're currently trailing uh Houston in this game but they do they are threatening right now runners at first and second with one out in the bottom of the sixth so maybe they can potentially uh they could potentially at least put a chink into the armor of Houston uh in tonight's game or maybe they can tie things up here with one swing of a bat. Uh but you maybe. know this is this is very impressive for a team that nobody was looking at as a potential World nope. Series option. And it also helps them that Lance McCullers Jr. is also not on the roster for Houston. He He's still hasn't say. thrown a pitch. He still hasn't thrown a pitch since he, uh, since he ended up leaving with the forearm strain in the ALDS. You know, to me, Lou, that still screams Tommy John. I think McCullers may be out next
3: year yeah. as well. Oh yeah, this I think. Well, that was a strong possibility that he'd be off for the rest of the year. And I think it's going to be that way. So you know, how do you? I mean, because how do you win with you know your players being like a train wreck, like I just said? First, Morton, then McCullers. You know, it's going to take it's going to take a lot to pull this out. And I think if Houston can win this game tonight, um, I think we might see the um, tide turning here.
1: However, though, Houston is very dangerous when they're on the ropes. When they're on the ropes, they are very dangerous if they come out aggressive, uh, you know, with nothing to lose, essentially. So if Atlanta Atlanta somehow ends up winning tonight, they need to close it out in five. Because if they allow this series to go back to Houston, they got a problem. Even though yeah, they'll be leading I the six. series potentially, yeah. Even even though they'll potentially be leading the series three games to two, even if they if they win tonight and then lose Game Five tomorrow, you know, there's there's still going to be plenty of motivation for Houston if they can go back to Houston uh, for Game Six. Now, throughout all this thing, and by the way, you know it, it is official. Uh, McCullers, he is out for the entire rest of the year. He will not pitch at yep. all this year in the World Series. And also, uh, Houston will also be without their backup catcher Jason Castro, as he was sure just placed in. on. He was just placed on the COVID list uh, earlier today, and he has now been replaced on the roster. So. Uh, basically they're going to be forced to go with martin maldonado who can't hit for shit anymore even though he did have a hit earlier tonight uh however mixed up amongst all of this uh you know all of this world series stuff the san diego padres made quite the splash earlier uh, earlier this week as they agreed to a three-year deal with Bob Melvin, the former coach of the Oakland Athletics,
2: yes.
1: uh, as their new manager. Bob Melvin, he had his option picked up for 2022 by the Athletics. However, Oakland let him interview for the San Diego Padres job. And under Melvin, Oakland made the postseason six times. He managed the club to a fifty-two point eight percent winning percentage. He's been with Oakland since the second half of the twenty eleven season, and on paper, this looks like a pretty good fit for Melvin, as he ha- he he has what appears to be a much more talented roster uh, going from Oakland. San Diego, especially with all the uh, with all the additions that they made over the past year. Now you kind of have to wonder, Lou, with the with the removal of Bob Melvin, you kind of have to wonder if maybe it's time for Oakland to blow it all up.
3: <laughs> I thought they were half blowing all up. Because, I mean,
1: with the current roster that they have now, they've been unable to make the playoffs the last couple of years. And, you know, this was a team that was supposed to be a contender. You kind of have to wonder if maybe it's time now to start shipping off some of those players and recollecting some assets. I think so. Uh, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, they officially hired Oliver Marmol as their manager, a three-year deal, according to Derek Gold of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Uh, the Cardinals moved quickly on this deal after they parted ways with Mike Schilt and stayed internally in order to do so. As Marmol, he has a long history with the organization. Uh, dating back to his time as a player as he was a sixth-round pick back in 2007. Uh, Most importantly, he served as the Major League bench coach for the Cardinals the past two years, so there will be uh, a little bit of continuity there when it comes to uh, the managerial position, and he is now considered to be the youngest manager in the majors at the age of 35. Uh, As far as Mike Schilt goes, it looks like they have, uh, or he has interviewed for the San Diego Padres job. Ooh, this just got interesting. Atlanta just cut the deficit to one, and now runners are on second and third with two outs in the sixth. Okay. Uh, Looks like we have a ball game here. So this is going to get very interesting. This
3: is going to get dicey.
1: you know, like like you said, Lou. If Atlanta can pull this off, uh, Houston's gonna. You know, it's just gonna put even further pressure on Houston. To where I mean, obviously, Game Five is gonna be a must-win in Houston's case. But you can almost kind of yeah. consider. You can almost kind of consider Game Five to be a must-win for Atlanta too. Because, I mean, obviously, you know, you win the World Series. If you win game five, you win the World Series four games to one. But, you know, game five could potentially be a must win as well for Atlanta because you do not want to go back to I told you about game four. Exactly. It's a major turning point uh, depending on where the series is at after four games.
3: Second and third, a basic can give you the lead. Never am I a tie. Yep. Yep. Base hit right, could give them the mission, lead. though. Hold on. They're they're grabbing over a they over a call.
2: Safe.
1: Yeah. I kind I kinda of figured I kinda of figured that uh Matone wouldn't stay out there long. I kinda of figured that uh well actually no, wait a minute. They're still they're still replaying this. It looks like the runner was safe. Uh
3: because I think I'm a little ahead of. If he you. had
1: come up. Oh, are you are you ahead?
3: I think I'm ahead of you
1: a little bit. Okay, okay. Sorry to play a Yeah, spoiler. you pro- you probably are because they just they just ruled him safe. Uh, and you know, on replay, it did look like uh, there was space in between the glove uh, and the player at second once, because the player at second he had come off of the bag. However the tag was no longer applied oh, right as he came off the bag. So, I mean, that was a pretty close one for Atlanta. But Atlanta, they do have the potential to do some major damage here. I'd love to explain it by, by now. But uh, some other bits of news. Uh, Michael Meyer of Mets Memor- of Mets Memori- or Metsmerized. I'm sorry. Uh, He has reported that Giants general manager Scott Harris has told the Mets he will not leave his current job to join them. Uh, Dodgers executive Brandon Gomes has also informed the Mets that he will not be joining their front office. Geez, nobody wants to go to the Mets now all of a sudden. I wonder why. Thanks a lot, Uncle Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's – It's becoming a shit show there for uh, for New York. It is. Uh, Let's see. We also have uh, some news involving Rafael Devers. Uh, He was obviously he was dealing with elbow inflammation during the postseason. Uh, which was which looked very apparent at times, though it didn't uh, it didn't impact his production at the plate. Though, however, uh, the chief baseball officer of the Red Sox, Hein Bloom, he said there were no significant concerns about Rafael Devers's right elbow after he was sent for imaging. So, I mean that's good news because surgery won't be required. So he should be uh, yes. good to go once spring training rolls around. The big question here is, if we have it, what's going to happen? What's going to happen with Xander Bogarts, one of the better shortstops around the league? It's expected that he will opt out of his contract and become a free agent this uh, this free agency. Now his plan is to sign long term with the Red Sox. However, it sounds like he may be moving from shortstop to potentially second base. From what it sounds like here. Mm-hmm. And there's also the option too that the Red Sox may choose to try and trade him. And I'm pretty sure there will be quite a few teams that'll be interested in his uh in his services. Oh sure but as far as Devers goes Devers he is uh he should be good to go uh once spring training rolls around now on the Yankees front uh according to Bob Klappish of the newer of the Newark, Newark Star Ledger he hears from a quote unquote family member that Anthony Anthony Rizzo is eager to stay with the Yankees So, right. obviously that's Obviously that's good to hear, but all it's gonna come down to money in the end. Yeah. As the Yankees, they are already expected to pursue one of the top shortstops in free agency this uh this winter. And uh, I and all yeah. honesty I honestly see them I honestly see them landing Corey Seeger, more than likely. Yeah. Uh I don't think they'll land Correa. I think Correa will probably stay with Houston. And who's the other one? Uh, Rick Story? Uh, I don't know. I'd probably put more money on Seager than I would on Story. Because mm. obviously with Trey Turner, uh, with Trey Turner now a uh, a Dodger, that basically gives them the the, the option to basically move on from uh to move on from Corey Seager while still having a very huge alternative to replace him. However, you know, they are expected to to go after a big shortstop, but you know, that's another thing too is that's the the shortstop whoever it is is going to command a lot of money. And that also means that, you know, Anthony Rizzo, he isn't going to come cheap. You know, he's probably gonna be yeah. he's probably gonna be expecting multi million dollars more than likely. Definitely uh higher uh you know, higher than ten million per year. So you know, the Yankees are they're gonna have to make a decision. But they they, they do still have Luke Voigt, though. Uh, if they are unable to retain Anthony Rizzo, but reportedly he is eager to stay with the Yankees. So I guess that you know that that could be considered good news for uh, for Yankee fans. right. Um, third baseman Tommy Listelella, he underwent left Achilles surgery uh, earlier on Tuesday. Uh, and he is expected to be sidelined for four months, according to the San Francisco Giants. Uh, The surgery was performed by Dr. Robert Anderson uh, in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Now, uh, he is currently at home resting, and he will begin physical therapy in two weeks. So if all goes well, Uh, you know, the utility man should be ready for spring training from what it looks like here. But um, also we had the uh, hang on a second, wait a minute, why is this I don't know why this is. Uh, why this is doing this here? It's frozen up for some reason. Um, hang on one second. Yeah. All right. Uh, Hall of Fame outfielder Ken Griffey Jr. Apparently, he has joined the Mariners ownership group. From what it says here. Uh, He said that he looks at this as uh, another way to continue to give back to an organization and community that has always supported me and my family. Uh, I'm looking forward to continuing to contribute to this organization's success in any way possible. Uh, Griffey spent 13 seasons with the Mariners, and he now becomes the first former player to hold partnership interest in the team. Uh, He was also named as a senior advisor to MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred this past January. I mean, think about it. How bad must other, you know, talking about commissioners there for a second, how bad must it be for Rob Manfred to be considered one of the more stable commissioners now, or not just Rob Manfred, but, also uh I mean you know, you know Batman he wasn't really affected that much by the uh, by the blackhawks uh situation no, uh, he wasn't. you know but but how bad must it be that Rob Manfred is considered to be one of the more stable uh commissioners nowadays? I
3: can't fix that myself how could he I mean, how do you consider considered stable?
1: Well, in terms of uh, you know likability and you know uh, with how much support that he has.
3: I mean, he's not very well. He's not very well liked either.
1: He is no, he isn't. But compared to no. compared to Goodell and and Gary Bettman, oh Goodell's an ass. You know, it's compared to Goodell and Batman. You know, Manfred is—he's uh, much that more is like compared to those two. Yeah. Uh, it's also been stated here the uh, the Red Sox they will not renew Tom Goodwin's contract as their first base coach. Uh, Officer Heim Bloom has said that the the decision was baseball related and didn't have anything to do with his refusal to be vaccinated. Uh, Ramon Vasquez, he took over as first-base coach late in the season due to Goodwin's vaccination stance. Uh, he had previously been on the coaching staff since the 2018 season. Also, uh, the Cubs, they hired Esan Bokhari, As assistant general manager, he's the latest addition to the revamped front office under the president of basketball or the president of baseball operations, Jed Hoyer, uh, joining new general manager Carter Hawkins. Bakari has spent the last three seasons in the Astros baseball operations department while serving as the senior director of strategic decision making. Uh, He previously also spent four seasons with the L.A. Dodgers as well. And now we have the NBA. You know, before we get into uh, what I call 76ers world, Mm. Lou, how about your New York Knicks? Wonderful. You had that little hiccup last week. (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah, a little hiccup, and not just that, but also – the fact that you guys almost had a gigantic brain fart against the Chicago Bulls and apparently didn't know how to throw an inbound pass. Uh, in what may be considered one of the, one of the potential biggest, uh, biggest collapses that the Knicks have had in recent years. Somehow they managed to hold on and win the game, but still, uh, it was very frightening for New York Knicks fans, but, Uh, You guys are now tied. You are tied through six games for the top of the Eastern Conference.
3: Haven't seen that in a while. Obviously, the other
1: team is the Washington Wizards, fresh off of a double overtime victory over the Boston Celtics tonight. Uh, But the Knicks, they are on a three-game winning streak, uh, five and one total on the season, and it really seems like uh, they have really bought in to the system that uh, that Tom Thibodeau has brought to uh, to New York, and also the fact too that Evan Fournier has been a uh, has been a huge uh, contributor. To the to the to their squad since uh, ever since he signed that multi-year deal in the offseason. it's almost like the same Evan Fournier from the Olympics uh, decided to transition over and ended up becoming a, ended up uh, bringing his talents over to the New York
2: Knicks.
3: I mean, Tupil has done has you know made major strides with um, the Knicks organization in the time he's been there. I mean, we went to the playoffs last year. No one thought they were going to get there. Uh, we lost to Atlanta, but, you know, it was a far cry from the season we had before. And it looks like there's a continuing now. I think we found I think we found ourselves a, a coach finally after struggling for the last two decades. So he's, he's yeah, turning this well, franchise yeah. around.
1: You know, I'll will t- tell you that that's the one thing that the Knicks have been missing uh, all these years was yeah. a defensive-minded coach. I mean, granted they had Phil Jackson uh for sure. for a little bit, but you know, Phil with the with the team that he had, Phil couldn't even get things done. So, yeah, I don't know if I put that all on Phil, uh but it seems like now no. You know, now with the with the way that the Knicks are being run, they finally have a stable head coach. They have young talent. They're finally uh and the thing that the thing that I remember with Thibodeau the most is that he has always been able to get to his young talent. He's able he's always been able to get through to get his message across. Now, obviously, you know, when he was with Minnesota, that's a different story because Minnesota is a complete train wreck in and of itself. But, you know, the Knicks, he has really turned turned the Knicks around to the point of where he was named the coach of the year last year. Rightfully so. so. Yeah, rightfully so, exactly. Now, we go from a team who is stable to, yeah, a team who is far from stable. Uh, that being the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, granted, they have a 4-2 and two record under uh, Doc Rivers once again returning as head coach. But they are it's currently in opera. the midst. Yeah, it's a major soap opera right now. And they are currently in the midst of a gigantic standoff with uh, one of, with one of their top stars being Ben Simmons. And it says here, according to uh, their team president, Daryl Morey, the standoff between the 76ers and Ben Simmons could take four years, which is basically the remainder of his contract. Simmons, of course, demanded to be traded uh, in the offseason. He did not go through a single individual workout uh, or no, Never mind, he did not go through an individual workout last Thursday due to what was announced as back tightness uh that mm-hmm. report was refuted because uh by by numerous seventy sixer sources uh, with anonymous seventy sixer sources telling various outlets that they knew nothing of the injury before that before that day. And he ended up actually being suspended as well due to conduct detrimental to the team because of the fact that uh, he decided to be a major diva, basically, and essentially decide, you know, not to go through. The reason why he was suspended was because he was thrown out of a practice last week because he refused to do a defensive drill. Uh, and and the problem is, you know, you would think that the 76ers would just flat-out trade him. However, their they're asking price is so astronomical that, I mean, they're asking for basically what the Rockets got for James Harden is what they're asking uh, price is for Ben Simmons. I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. Unless um, unless Simmons can actually prove that he can shoot, you know, you're just not going to get that same – you're not going to get that same uh, return. And right now it's unknown if he'll even suit up for the 76ers this year. Yes. Uh, we have added uh, JB onto the call. Uh, JB. Hey, JB. How are you? Uh, glad, glad you could join us tonight. Hey, Lou. Welcome back. Uh, now it's. Uh, I, I know you tried joining us last week before. Uh, after we ended up having, <laughs> uh, we ended up having all that those thing. problems. Yeah. After that situation. Um, <laughs> oh well When I had posted I had posted in mods only and everything about it I I still have no idea What the hell happened But um, So far so good You know I mean I had uh, I Maybe. employed my uh, backup I employed my backup plan tonight And so far it seems to have worked uh, And it also worked yes. Thursday night as well for the uh, Survivor podcast So um okay. Uh, JB, uh, did you get a chance to uh, to see Glover Teixeira earlier today?
2: No, I did not. Mainly because uh, I thought it was, uh, you know, bands, it was a UFC, uh, you know, numbered fight. I thought, well, I can wait until 8 o'clock and watch the prelims and I was just sitting there and next thing you know, it dawned on me that they were fighting in Abu Dhabi and I thought, Oh yep. shit. By the time I uh, went on that uh UFC uh live stream uh site Yes. Um I just got the very end of, uh, the, uh, Glover to Sarah, uh, oh, yeah. fight. And I was glad, you I, I was, uh, you know, I was really, I was happy for him that he won and anytime somebody upset a, uh, champion and becomes a champion themselves I'm 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 always uh you know I'm all, I'm always happy I I like to see I like to see fights like that
1: at the age of yeah. 42 no less <laughs>
2: Right How much you like this Yeah he's the second uh, oldest uh, champion they said
1: yeah, the first, the first. The first, of course. The first, of course, being uh, Randy Couture, the natural. Right. Oh, we have a tie game. Dansby Swanson, <laughs> with a home run, has tied this game at two apiece. Tied. Oh, yeah. But yeah, you know, uh, he becomes the second fighter, uh, the second oldest fighter to have won a title uh, at their current age the first of course being Randy Couture upsetting Tim Sylvia in one of the most miraculous upsets i think i've seen in uh, at that point in ufc history when right tim sylvia you know he was just mowing through guys he was just i shouldn't say mowing through him because i mean let's face it he practically laid on guys essentially uh fight after fight yeah. and then couture comes out of nowhere literally the very first shot that he threw knocked Sylvia on his ass. And then Couture basically beat his ass for five full rounds after that. And I still remember it uh, when my cousin and I got the fight uh, back then, you know, we were always wondering, okay, at what point is Sylvia going to be able to take to, you know, take control of him yeah. get, uh, you know, get on top of him and just basically lay on top of him for the rest of the fight. And thank God it he, didn't happen. He he, he
2: never he, he never had a chance.
1: No. no, he never even he never even got I don't think he got any offense in
2: that fight. And he had a reach advantage of like what twelve or thirteen inches? It probably could have been even big. more than that. It was pretty big. It was a pretty big reach advantage that he
1: had, and And, uh, Couture literally that first punch. Once he he landed that first punch that he threw, it was that fight was completely turned on its. uh, It was turned upside down,
2: basically. It was all Randy Couture after that. Yeah. And here you have Tim Sylvia. He's like what six seven or something like that, and he was one of the top heavyweights. Yeah, I'm gonna exaggerate and say Randy is like oh. about five eleven, <laughs> maybe six oh, foot run. tall. Oh
0: my God! Takes the lead.
1: Jorge Soler just hit a just hit another. Back, to back, Jacks. Uh. Oh my God. Oh yeah! Oh, oh, oh. oh, I just, yeah, I just saw it there. Hang on, I just, I just saw it on on uh, on replay. Yeah, uh, Houston, you are in trouble right now.
3: Houston, you have a problem. But yeah, I, I want, uh, I, know-
2: I, 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 I actually want to see uh, the Atlanta Braves win.
1: So do I. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, we uh we talked about this earlier, JB, before you called in, that you know, this is essentially the Cinderella season for Atlanta. You know, nobody yeah. was expecting them, nobody was expecting them at all to make the playoffs. And oh my god, this is even bigger. This is off of off of Javier for Houston, who's been lights out this entire postseason. Not anymore. Lights out this entire postseason. And with they uh-oh, is there a problem? Is there a problem out there in left field? Oh, boy. Maybe. Oh, dear. Oh, looks like, oh, now I think don't he's don't a defensive see. replacement, too. Yeah, I think he's a defensive, re- wait a minute. No, that's Jordan Alvarez. Oh, my God. If Jordan Alvarez has to miss, if he has to be taken out of this game, and he has to miss time, that might, honestly, that might be the death knell for Houston. Yeah. If Alvarez has what, to be taken out.
2: What, cha- what channel is the uh, baseball Fox, game on? Fox,
1: Fox, Fox, Wherever your Fox station is. Wow, yeah, that is. I mean, a hopefully for, Houston, okay. for, for, for Houston's sake. Hopefully, he can stay in the game because I mean, granted, he's batting a hundred. This uh, he's only batting uh, a one hundred batting average this uh, this series so far, but he's still one you of you say one hundred prominent. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, he's literally. Uh, I think he's one for. Wait, I think he's one for ten or something. Hang on. Let me see what he, is, what he, uh, seven games. Well, yeah, the last seven games he's batted 269. But, uh, so far in this World Series, he's, I think he's one for 10 or something. Or maybe two for 20.
2: Ooh, yeah. I have. Let
1: me, wait.
2: Trouble. Go on, I baby. haven't been. I haven't been following this uh, World Series. What game uh, is this?
1: Game four. Uh, game five. Or no, game, game four. Five. Yeah, you're okay. right. Game four. Game four.
2: So who's, who has the advantage? Brace. Right
1: now Atlanta does. Okay. It's two to one right now. If Atlanta wins this, Houston is put on the ropes.
2: On Good. uh oh. online it shows uh Braves three to two.
1: Yes, that's what it is right now. Well that's what the that's what the score currently is, but the uh Right. But the series the series right now is two games to one. Yes. Okay,
2: okay. I got you.
1: And the thing is, game five is in Atlanta still.
2: Yeah oh, five tomorrow man. is in
1: Atlanta. So, so if Atlanta can win tonight, they can potentially t- uh, close the series tomorrow night.
2: Yep, and fans are going to go crazy. Sure, oh, they already are. Oh man! I mean, this is oh, everybody's yeah. going oh, think
1: yeah. about it. This is the Cinderella season for Atlanta. You know, nobody once they lost Cunha Junior. To uh, to season-ending surgery, yeah. nobody gave them a shot to win the world. Series. This is almost not even me. I mean, I mean they're not you know they're not going about it in the same way as the Red Sox. You know, when the Red Sox were staring down elimination for the Yankees, but uh, in 2004, you know, uh-huh. nobody gave nobody gave the Red Sox a chance. This is almost eerily similar to the 2004 Red Sox.
2: Uh, every,
1: uh, and every single person, every single uh expert was writing them off. And just like they were doing to Atlanta here, nobody gave them a chance against uh you know, against uh against LA. Nobody gave them a chance against uh Milwaukee this year. In the NLDS, and everybody, uh, you know, myself included. Uh, then again, I was speaking more of a pessimist, you know, considering how, considering the sketchy ending uh, to the ALCS for Houston. You know, I thought, you know, okay, they're going to cheat themselves to another World Series win, but you know, it's it, it really it seems now like all of a sudden. Uh, by the way, be on the lookout. If this series does get back to Houston, be on the lookout for the whistles because you know they're going to happen just like they did in the uh, in the Boston oh, they're series. Shoot. Oh, yeah. You know, I thought... Because I th- we had a poll put up in Sports Whispers about this, uh, you know, who's going to win the World Series. And I really thought that Houston, you know, at the littlest sign of trouble... They're going to start bringing out the whistles again, they're going to start bringing out the sign stealing and everything. And so far, Atlanta has uh, they've done pretty well at managing uh, at managing Houston. and I think you know I still say this: I think the biggest factor in Houston's uh, in Houston losing this series so far has been the fact that they haven't had the starting pitching. Now granted they didn't have it against Boston either. And I'm not counting that uh actually no. I'll say uh Framber Valdez, you know, throwing eight innings, uh eight shutout innings. I can I can really see that actually happening against uh against Boston because Valdez is one of their better pitchers. But some of the just some of the some of the pitching I saw from them in the later games of the ALCS. I'm sorry. That's for you have a guy in Jorge uh, in, in was it Luis Garcia? I think it was Luis Garcia. You have a guy who average, tell me this, answer this JB. How do you have a guy who averages 93.3 miles per hour on his fastball throughout his entire career Leading up to that game, and then all of a sudden, in that game, he starts averaging ninety-seven.
2: Oh man! Hmm.
1: Tell me how that makes any sort of sense whatsoever.
2: I hey, you got me.
1: I mean, that's that's just that's sketchy right there to begin with. Very sketchy, and then also.
2: It's scary. It really is.
1: And then also the fact that they were playing in 50-degree weather, 55-degree weather, and he was sweaty as can be, supposedly. And this was when they were in Boston. 55 degrees in Boston, and he was apparently sweating up a storm while yet uh, (laughs) yet he pitched game two in Houston. 80 degree Houston, and didn't sweat at all. Was as calm and co- cool and collected mm-hmm. as can be. Didn't even. Did, well, actually, no. They must have caught on to him because they told. They finally, uh, Major League Baseball, I think, told him, you know, wipe on your shirt. Don't wipe off. Don't wipe uh, <laughs> on your hand, hands. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, rat, don't you. And also, maybe stop doing that. Maybe stop doing that stupid cradle that you do before before you throw every damn pitch.
0: Oh yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> but you know, reg- regardless, though, this, uh, as Lou said, he he considers Game Four to be the the. You're gonna know. You're gonna find out what kind of series you have for the rest of the series in game four. Whether it's going to be an early exit or if this game or, or, you know, if this series all of a sudden becomes a best of three. And I got to tell you, with how Atlanta has performed so far, with them taking the lead, uh, let's see, who do they have? Who does Houston have coming up here? Houston's got Diaz. Wait. Okay, so they're starting with Diaz. So, okay, they got Diaz, Maldonado, and Altuve up this inning. So Diaz, Altuve, uh-oh. Diaz is 50-50. Maldonado is almost a guaranteed out. And Altuve, if they can get by Altuve, they maybe, once they can get to their closer, because Atlanta's closer has been pretty lights out. So uh, if they can get to their closer, I think Atlanta will be fine. But they better hope they have a 1-2-3 inning uh, this inning. Because... Looks like yeah, Javier he's uh he's being replaced. They already used the Marwin Gonzalez tonight, so he's already out of there as a pinch hitter. Uh Altimus Diaz is now pinch hitting. Uh oh, he's replacing uh Goriel. So Goriel is no longer in the game.
3: Goriel gone. Really?
1: He and that's weird because he's one of their more uh one of their more dangerous hitters. So I guess, it all, you know, it all depends if they can get through this inning. I think, uh, granted, they'll be facing the heart of the order uh, in the top of the ninth. But Atlanta, they do, they have, some the runs, eh? can, they do have the closer that, that can uh, potentially close things out uh, against the heart of the order. So I think mm-hmm. this is definitely – you know this is definitely a uh, a must-score scenario for Houston here in the top of the eighth. I mean, granted, you're down to your final six You got to see what the but... Braves do in the bottom of the eighth, though. True. Um, let's see. Uh, oh yeah, some other NFL news here. Um, Tom Brady he recorded his 600th touchdown pass in a blowout against the bears. And would you believe it? You know, uh, that ball was given by Mike Evans to a fan in the, uh, to a fan in the stands. And they actually made a trade. They actually, they actually uh, were able to make a trade with the fan. And because here's the thing, this ball could easily go, uh, according to the founder of Golden Auctions, it's estimated to be worth upwards of $500,000. However, the ball's worth could easily go for $900,000 when comparing how uh, how much 500 home run balls fetch on the open market. And considering Brady is the only person to throw 600 touchdowns, whereas there are 28 members of the 500 home run club in the universe, that puts Brady's ball in basically a stratosphere all to itself. So who knows? Maybe maybe the ball could have reached up to a million, uh, you know, in, in the uh, auction market. Now, however – uh, they made a they made a trade with the fan and so it says here that uh, the fan gave the ball back in exchange for at least another game ball as well as a signed jersey by Brady. Uh, he will also receive or no it says here he will receive two signed jerseys and a helmet from Brady. Assigned Evans jersey and his game cleats from that game, from that 600th touchdown game. Uh, yeah. A one thousand dollar, a one thousand dollar credit at the Buccaneers team store, and oh he gets two, and he gets two season passes for the remainder of this season as well as next season. Wow. So, now, okay. I mean, That seems like a major. Mate- that seems like a big haul, but to me, I kind of wonder if maybe maybe you might hold out a, a little bit more than that. Because, yeah, really. I mean, this is a you know well, this is a ball that's that. worth this is a ball that's worth upwards of five hundred thousand dollars, and like like I just read here, it could easily go for. At uh, go for potentially nine hundred thousand on the oh, open market.
2: Cool. Uh, okay.
1: You know, so I think the Buccaneers kind of got got away got away with one here. Um, you know, when it when it comes to when it comes to having to trade for that. uh that ball. There's Jason
3: Deep shit now.
1: Also uh, some sad news in the NFL. Uh, replay official Carl Madsen apparently died last Sunday shortly after he worked at the Kansas City Chiefs Tennessee Titans game in Tennessee. Wow. Uh, he died at the age of 71. Um, says here according to TMZ Sports Uh, Initial indications are he suffered a medical emergency while driving home on I-65 North. Uh, The spokesperson said said several uh, officers received calls about a motorist blocking a lane on the interstate, and when they arrived on scene, they found Madsen unconscious in the driver's seat of the car. Police say they broke into the vehicle via the passenger side window and removed Madsen and immediately started chest compressions. Uh, Sadly, after transporting Madsen to a nearby hospital, he died. Uh, A cause of death is still unknown at this time, unfortunately. So imagine that, you go from working uh, working a game where Pat yeah. Mahomes almost gets murdered by the Tennessee defense. uh yeah. to All of a sudden passing away. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, believe it or not, Pat Mahomes, he actually cleared the concussion protocol, even after taking that knee to the head. I'll be damned. And what
3: looked like you he know, got st-
1: decapitated.
3: Yeah, I mean he hasn't been the same since the concussion in the divisional round. No. He hasn't he hasn't
1: been and actually, you know what? I kind of think part of it has to do with the fact that his girlfriend or soon to be wife I should say and his brother have basically been using him for clout uh or, you know, internet fame or Oh well, whatever a surprise. as opposed to as, as opposed to, you know, giving him the time and you know of our uh, you know, there's a reason why Aaron Rodgers, for example, why he uh isolated himself from his family once he became a huge star in the NFL. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because family started becoming a distraction. And right now it seems like with Mahomes his his soon to be wife and his brother, which by the way, they seem way too close to each other. I kinda think maybe his yeah. wife may actually be cheating on him with his brother. Uh, <laughs> no shit. You know you know, oh, they're shoot. starting to become, in my opinion, a major
2: distraction him. for him. Whoa. Oh
3: what a, what a catch.
2: What a catch. What a catch. Oh man. One more to
1: go. Altuve got absolutely robbed in left field For by sure. Eddie Rosario.
3: Nice going, Rosario. Wow. <laughs> that would've been at
1: least that would have been at least a double with how fast uh, Altuve runs. So now The Braves' closer, assuming that the Braves don't score a shit ton of runs, although I think they may bring in the closer anyways, he has to deal with Brantley, Bregman, and Alvarez in the top of the ninth. Mm. Honestly, you know, I think, granted, I may may jinx the uh, Braves here, but I think we're looking at a 3-1 Braves lead. Because when you look when you look at this series so far, Bregman he hasn't he, yeah. he's 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 actually at a lower batting average than Alvarez. Alvarez is at one hundred. Bregman's at point zero seventy seven. Bregman has had, I think, only one hit literally this entire series.
3: One oh boy. Now, Brandon
1: is going play, to be
3: a problem, though. Yeah, go,
2: and go they ahead, play maybe? seven, and they and they and they play seven games, don't they?
1: Well, potentially seven games, yes. Right. If it gets that far, yeah.
2: I, I for the longest time, I never understood why they played seven games for the uh, American League. And the national league uh it
3: wasn't always like that
2: games and seven games for the uh World Series.
3: Well, once upon a time, JB, it wasn't like that.
2: It w- it was uh five games for the national and uh American yep. and seven games for the uh World Series. Yes. Back in the good old days. Way- that's the way I think it should be.
3: Exactly. All right, but what do you do about the other stuff with the wild card now? What do you do about that?
1: Uh, honestly, I think wild card still should have been three. Yeah. I, still, I think they still should have kept it at three. I, don't I just don't know. agree. You know, I don't agree with them – because they consider wild card teams to still be playoff teams. Now, how can you be a playoff team when you only play one game?
2: Yeah, Rowan. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, looks like. Uh, no, Houston. Actually, Houston brought out their closer last inning, so he's uh, he's still out there, Ryan Presley. So yeah, but
2: the thing is that. You- you
3: don't really
0: want to drag the season into November.
1: True. True. Yeah. No. You're right. You don't. You don't really want to drag the season on into November. Which uh, I mean, right now, from what it looks like, from what it looks like, unless they end, uh, unless they win Game Five tomorrow night, uh, assuming Atlanta hangs on and wins here. Uh, unless Atla- if Atlanta wins game five, I mean obviously the season's over before it hits November, but they are gonna go uh more than likely into the beginning of November here if they uh
3: Well, like I said, um, you know, I've done some you know, I do some pretty you know me I do a lot of figuring and stuff like that. Like you really uh you really see a sweep. So it's like ninety five percent chance it's gonna go game five. Game yeah. six probably like about seventy mm, percent, but when you get to a game seven, that's only that's only about, like about fifteen to twenty percent. You get a major drop off from that. The average uh, World Series is about six games when you think about it. I think what was the last World Series sweep? Was it
1: uh, was it Boston in oh seven? I believe it was. Yeah. Mm. Hang on. Let me look, let me look this up because I'm kind of in. I I don't know if I uh, I don't know if Texas uh, got swept. Hang on, let's see. Okay, so there have been 21 World Series sweeps in Major League history. What uh, the last one? Actually, the last wow. one. Yeah, the last one was in 2012 with the Giants sweeping the Tigers.
3: Yes.
2: Oh, uh, okay.
3: Once upon a time, the Tigers were good. Now they're a dumpster fire. Yeah. Uh, with, coincidentally,
1: Houston's former coach, A.J. Hinch.
3: <laughs>
1: Go figure. You bit that uh, uh, A.J., and
3: that what you got.
1: Yeah, the last, uh, the last four World Series sweeps have been Boston against St. Louis, uh, then the next year it was Chicago it, against Houston. Here's a question.
3: What was that? Do you bunt here or no? Yes. Thank
1: you. Well, I, mean, I mean, who do you have? Who do they have? They have uh, they have Albie's
3: uh, at first. Riley is up now.
1: Uh, Riley, yeah, yeah, they have a first Albie's first. First pitch at, at dummy. Yeah, if you're, uh, you know, if you're, uh, if you're the Braves, I think you bunt here. I think you, I think you bunt. Uh, try to get, try to get Albie's well, over to the se- the second. They
3: only swung on one first pitch. That, that's a stupid idea. Unless they're they're probably anticipating whoa, that whoa, maybe whoa.
1: Albie's can steal. He can probably steal by himself, actually.
3: Yeah. He could. He was trying to get back. He got back to first. They were trying to pull something
1: because uh, he actually the very first uh, the very first game he actually uh, got a steal in no time. Oh, are they doing pitch outs now? They're doing pitch outs, aren't they?
3: No, um, that was I think it was gonna be a wild well pitch.
1: I think. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I'm following. You know, I have. Uh, I have the uh Xfinity stream up here, but at the same time I also yeah. have the uh MLB I have the M L B game day uh app on here. Oh <laughs> I'm glad I yeah, have Xfinity that
0: <laughs> that <laughs> he barely caught that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was uh but yeah, Lou, uh, to answer your question I would definitely bunt here. Um even though Austin Riley's hitting three oh three uh, or actually, no, this postseason he's hitting 268. Uh Even though Riley yeah. is, a, is a hot hitter, I mean, you got to go with the speed. You know, um, unless they're anticipating that Albies uh, will be able to steal on his own here, um, you know, I would try at all costs. You know, a, a one-run lead, especially against Houston, any um. one of the batters coming up in the ninth inning can just as easily get that. Uh, can just as easily tie this game up. I hope it doesn't come to that. So I would. I would. Uh, in all honesty, I would be bunting here. Well, you got two strikes now, so you can't. No, obviously not. I mean, obviously, you know, if they get. Uh, I mean, especially if they, even if they get it's Riley right on board. Oh yeah. Yeah, see, that's well. That, that throws away my argument I was going to put there. Uh, you know, even if they uh, if they were to somehow get Riley on base here, that basically throws out any. You know, there wouldn't be any reason to uh, to pull off a bunt because
3: they would intentionally want to
1: walk you him. You know. Yeah, I mean, but if they potentially walked him, you know. It, if you do the bunt, that, that throws in the possibility right. of a double play.
3: Mm-hmm. So.
1: Okay.
3: went out though.
1: but. I mean, they do have Jack Peterson up now though. So, you know, he's uh granted he's had a bit of a, a bit of a sketchy postseason so far this year, but you know, three homers. Maybe perhaps uh, maybe perhaps he can provide a bit of a spark. I, I mean, because if there is a gapper, it's probably likely that Albie's will pro- will probably get waved home all the way from first. Right. Because he definitely yeah. has the speed. He definitely has the speed advantage uh, to beat out any of those arms in the outfield.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: But also keep in mind, you know, they're facing the Houston closer here, so uh, I would be Do it surprised away. if I would be surprised if Atlanta can uh, can somehow score here. But uh, some of the NFL players uh, who are expected to play tomorrow. Uh, include Baker Mayfield. Well, these are, these are players, obviously, who were, uh, who were either on the injured list or they were battling injuries this week. Uh, this week, uh, Baker Mayfield and, and Nick Chubb, they are both expected to play for, for uh, Cleveland. Jerry Judy, he is expected to return for Denver. That's good news for the Broncos who are, uh, who are struggling offensively all of a sudden. Rob Gronkowski, uh-huh. Rob Gronkowski, with his five hundred Rob Gronkowski, with his five hundred broken ribs and punctured lung, apparently will be playing <laughs> uh, tomorrow.
2: Oh shoot!
1: I mean, how hard must that be? How the hell can you can you recover in just three weeks from numerous broken? He had eight broken ribs, supposedly eight broken ribs and a punctured lung, and yet he's able to play in just three weeks. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, he's expected to play. Richard Sherman is also expected to play. Stephon Gilmore, he will be activated from, uh, right. from the injured list. So he is expected to play for Carolina. Uh, Debo Samuel is expected to play, as well as Trey Lance, which means that Jimmy Garoppolo is officially uh, – he may get placed on the injured list, I think. And Darrell Taylor is also expected to play as well. Uh, Also, uh, Austin Eckler for the LA Chargers, he has confirmed to ESPN that he will play against the Patriots tomorrow at four. Uh, Let's see what what else do I have on here? Uh, there were a couple of players that were placed on injured reserve. Uh, will Lux for the Saints. He is expected to miss the rest of this season due to a groin injury after having a setback in rehab. Uh, okay. So he. So now Brian Johnson. Uh, he will be the primary. Uh, He'll be the primary uh, kicker for the rest of the season for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Chris Hogan, he was placed on the reserve retired list after uh, officially announcing his retirement last week from the Saints. Uh, Let's see, Malcolm Brown, uh, he is expected to be placed on injured reserve for the Miami Dolphins. As it looks like Miles Gaskin will now become the starter for Miami moving forward. Uh, Jason McCordy for the Dolphins will also be placed on injured reserve as well, as it's been revealed that he may also require surgery on his foot
2: that is currently injured. Come on, throw it it in the ground and let the guy get to uh, second.
3: All right. (laughs) Wild pitch.
2: Yeah. Or a pass ball.
1: Oh, not just that. No, he was hit by a pitch. Well, hit by a pitch there. So, first and second now. Oh, this is bad news for Presley with, uh, okay, who do we have? Wait. Travis Darnad, oh yeah, he already has a homer this series too, I think. Yeah. Uh, no, that was that should be a wild pitch. That shouldn't be a uh, yeah a hit by pitch. That's a wild pitch. <laughs> no, it's a wild pitch. Well, yeah, it didn't look like it hit. hit. It didn't pitch, look so. like it hit him. No, it did. It hit him. It hit him after it hit the ground. But they're considering it Great a hit by really- pitch, apparently.
2: Huh.
1: I think Atlanta got lucky there because I believe the rule book well, doesn't the rule book say that it has to, uh, or is it or is it regardless of if it hits the ground first or if it hits the player that if it hits the if it hits the ground first, it's still considered a hit by pitch. Yeah. I don't know what the official.
2: Yeah, oh, i always by that, that Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. But I guess you know, I guess they're you know they're pitching to Darnon now, so
1: that's uh, that settles it. Yeah, nobody's
2: okay. nobody's complaining, so I take it. Uh, <laughs>
1: And I'm telling you know i still i still uh stand by it. I think that if Houston's back is up against the wall, you know they're a pretty dangerous just based off of uh based off of past history they're a pretty dangerous team with their backs against the wall
0: sure. if uh if
1: if atlanta can can extend this to uh a three one series lead here. And the thing that sucks for Houston, like I mentioned earlier, is the fact that they just don't have starting pitching. I mean, uh, you know, Zach Greinke, he didn't even go five innings tonight. And granted, you know, his, uh, his game, when he came in or when he pitched against the Red Sox in the ALCS, that was the first time he had actually started a game in well over two to three weeks.
2: Actually, maybe
1: more. But so, Dan, Dansby Swanson is the third player in Braves history with a game tying homer in the seventh inning or later of a World Series. Hank Aaron and Lonnie Smith are the other two to do so. And Jorge Soler, obviously, the first player in World Series history with a leadoff hit, a leadoff home run, and a pinch hit home run. So he was already the first to ever do it in the lead, uh, in the leadoff spot in the World Series. But now, with his, with his home run tonight, he's the first to do it in a leadoff and as a pinch hitter in the same World Series, no less. Oh. <clears throat> so darnad's down, and we have Adam Duvall now. 220, two homers. Yeah. I don't know. I Something tells me that uh, Presley may be able to get out of this. Because I think you're going to see... Yeah. I don't think you're going to see really any past balls to where the runners are actually going to be able to move to second and third because Martín Maldonado is probably one of the better defensive catchers in the game today. So... <laughs> I mean, it would have to take quite a bad bounce just for, uh, you know, for the ball to get away from him.
0: Well, oh, what did a bad bounce. <laughs>
1: Which usually it doesn't. You know, another thing to look at, too, here is Presley, you know, he's getting into the 30s now with uh, with his pitch count. You gotta assume that he may be unavailable for Houston tomorrow night, potentially.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know,
1: Houston may yeah. be forced to go at it without
3: their closer. Sure, okay, ninth inning coming up.
1: Oh uh, yeah, so you know, I'm I'm just I'm not comfortable with a one-run lead. I am not oh. comfortable against this Houston against this Houston offense with a run with a one run
0: because right
1: oh. now you know right, right now Houston's offense is uh, is uh is sort of sleeping specifically the heart of the order you can't keep them this way for this long I just I have this bad feeling that uh, that one of them is gonna potentially uh pop off here. Yeah, you're probably thinking the
3: same thing I'm thinking.
1: Well, I hope not. You know, I would love to see the uh I would love to see the Braves win
0: uh yeah I know
1: you know win the World Series this year. Bad news, by the way, Lou. Uh, Dak Prescott starting on Sunday Night Football would uh, reportedly surprise many close to the situation in Dallas right now. He oh, did, did travel say be a to. A
3: game team. time decision.
1: Yeah, he is a game time decision, but it does say though that it still sounds increasingly unlikely that he will play. Mm. So that means that Cooper Rush will be uh, will be the starter potentially tomorrow night. And of course, you know he uh, he injured uh, he injured himself on the final play that uh, that gave Dallas the win over the Patriots in uh, in overtime a couple weeks ago, and. I guess you know that week off that they just had didn't really uh didn't really do much for his uh for his recovery. No, I mean. it, didn't, it
0: didn't.
1: So, it's yeah, it's not good. Uh also un, also not expected to play this week is Saquon Barkley. He has been ruled mm-hmm. out for tomorrow's matchup against – or, I'm sorry, for Monday's matchup against Kansas City. Uh, And it looks like the Panthers, they are expected to stick with Sam Darnold as their quarterback and not pursue pursue Deshaun Watson before Tuesday's trade deadline. Supposedly Miami has a deal – supposedly Miami has a deal in place for Watson – but they want to see what his legal uh what his legal battle looks like and basically what that's what that spells to me is uh yeah he's not getting traded on Tuesday or before Tuesday no i think it's entirely likely that we're probably uh we'll probably see the whole watson uh, things spill out into the off season more than likely. Well, here we go, ninth inning. Let's see what we uh, what we have here out of Smith.
0: Yeah.
1: We Will Smith, uh, you know, been dominant this postseason. Nobody One was to able to score a run off of him. But nobody got a shot. Yeah, no, you know, nobody's been. uh, I don't know. That didn't look like. That didn't look like he went. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that I I would like to see a replay of that swing because that did not look like Brantley went on that uh, to make it one-one. No.
2: I'm surprised it didn't throw a replay.
1: And we all know we all know uh we all know what uh check swings have uh have uh have had problems in yeah. uh, in the postseason thus far. With LA and San Francisco being the most notable. Michael Brentley, you know, he's been one of the more consistent hitters for uh for Houston this postseason, three twenty eight batting average. I mean he hasn't had the power, but he's been able to get on base. No. So and I mean obviously this season, you know, he's not known as a power hitter, only had eight homers. Uh he's been more more along the lines of a uh of an of a batting for average type of hitter. A three eleven batting average this uh, this season. So we'll see if Smith can get him here. But talking about it out right now. It looks yeah, right now it looks like it's going to be a foul. It's going to be a uh, a stare down between uh, Smith and Brantley, with uh, with Brantley fouling off these uh, these pitches. We'll see, and it looks like uh, this fight is finally going to happen. Uh, Jake Paul, the, uh, everybody's uh, everybody's favorite boxer, uh, has agreed to finally really. fight. Well, I was saying it sarcastically, but uh, oh, he man. has finally he has finally agreed to fight Tommy Fury, the uh, the younger brother of. Uh, heavyweight champion Tyson Fury, and this will be the first legitimate boxer that he has faced in his uh, in his short boxing career thus far. And honestly, probably the first. Ooh, called out on strikes! Wow. Yes. Big strikeout for uh, right, for Will Smith. It. But, you know, this is uh, – I, I think this could be a real – a huge test, actually, for Jake Paul, for, you know, for them to actually see for, – or for him to uh, to show fans uh, that he is somebody to be uh, taken seriously, that, you know, he is taking the sport seriously and not just fighting nobodies.
3: That was dumb.
1: Popped out to, to the second baseman, too. Uh, yeah, you know, mm. Bregman, I don't know what is wrong with him so far, but he is just – he has been ice cold
3: this World Series. Well, the thing is, why would you swing in the first pitch? Yeah. Yeah, really. Especially low, especially
1: low in the zone, too. Yeah. I just never really understood. Um, however, though, Alvarez, though, probably Houston's most dangerous bat that they've had this, uh, this postseason so far, 340 or 364, two home runs. You know, this is a guy that, uh, a lot of people that pretty much the entire Red Sox series the Red Sox apparently didn't get the message to not pitch to him. And it looks like he's basically uh-huh. just going to look at every single pitch that's thrown here.
3: Yeah. More than hmm.
1: basically look, he's looking for the home run pitch, essentially.
3: Well, I would do. I can't look.
2: Oh we'll see.
1: Looks like Smith has been basically attacking the uh nah. the outside part of the zone. Alvarez though hasn't really been known to strike out though. No. Usually he's been usually he's been uh one of the more consistent uh one of the more consistent hitters to at least, you know get a hold of the get a hold of the ball but down to their final strike here
2: so we'll see
1: but uh you know before before we do get cut off though um, I just want to <laughs> remind our. I want to remind our listeners uh, that next uh, this upcoming Thursday night we will uh, return with the Survivor Forty One Recap Show, uh, hosted by Jim Early. Uh, without his help, none of these podcasts will be possible to bring to you. Um, if you haven't. Done so yet? You can subscribe to the Missy A E podcast by going to blogtalkradio.com dot com slash Missy A E, or by subscribing on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Amazon Music. Uh, we are all available on those on those specific uh, services. Uh, you'll get access to all of our previous shows that we've done. Uh, as do well as Sports Whispers Weekly, yes. Yeah. And we officially have a three-to-one series lead here. Oh, my. This is, uh, you know, like like I said, big problems for – you got a big problem for for Houston here. And especially considering Smith Smith didn't really – I mean, he threw 15 Uh, pitches, but still. He threw 15 pitches, but he could technically, if they need him tomorrow night, he could pitch right. in game five to close it out, possibly. What a win for the Braves. Narrow, narrow as hell, three to two uh, over the Astros. But this is Astros. what I was expecting. I got to tell you, I was expecting a lot more out of the Astros so far. Yeah. You know, offensively, I was. It, 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 it just it it has to be the Cinderella story. It, that's yeah. That's got to be what it is uh, for Atlanta. You know, um, they didn't really. You know, they added at the deadline, but they didn't really. They, they didn't really pick up a lot of money with these additions that they made.
3: Well, I've only got another so, minute and a half left, so I'm gonna go on that note, and we'll talk again next week, same time, same channel. Good night, fellas.
2: Okay. Lou. Hey, good luck on your uh, picks, Lou.
3: Thanks. I'm gonna need it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Hey, I need it too.
1: Yeah, actually, that reminds me, I gotta get those. Uh, I gotta get those tabulated when uh, when we get off the air here. Um, I gotta finish up the rest of the college games. Um but yeah, we have a 3-1 Atlanta Braves lead. Uh everybody uh for for Sports Whispers weekly, uh tune in next Saturday night for another edition. Uh for Survivor, join us this Thursday night for another edition of the Survivor 41 recap show. Uh thank you JB for joining me. Thank you Lou as always and we will see you guys
3: Next week, have a great rest of your weekend.